This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that can't quite believe that Chelsea might finish third in the Premier League. If matches could mirror a season, then surely Chelsea v Watford was that match. So awful were Chelsea in the first half that I moved to sit next to Tony Glover for a welcome distraction from the game, some decent company and a moan in the second half. Within six minutes, Chelsea had scored two goals and were well on their way to beating a decent Watford side who had the measure of us. So I'm obviously the lucky charm. Anyway, Hazard, in probably his last match for Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, did everything but score and has arguably single-handedly dragged Chelsea into the top four as his parting gift. But, in truth, the abysmal form of Spurs, Arsenal and United have probably helped Chelsea even more. While we don't yet know that Hazard is definitely on his way out of Chelsea, Gary Cahill most certainly is. And it was wonderful to see the heartfelt reception he got when he came on in the 89th minute and after the match. Blanked by Sarri for most of the season, this is a player who won everything in his seven years at the club as well as captaining it. it. He knows what it means to be Chelsea, as do the supporters who go week in, week out. The farewell to Gary Cahill and a top day before, during and after with some top people was a timely reminder of what that and, well, of of that specifically, really, and what it's all about as far removed from Sarri in, Sarri out and other puerile behaviour on Twitter as you can get. How lucky are we who are fortunate to go to Chelsea and experience Chelsea before, during and after in the flesh, week in, week out? Yay! Yay! The Chelsea Fancast number 462, the best of a bad bunch. And uh, some might say, possibly not me, but some might say that on the show tonight we have the best of a bad bunch. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I couldn't possibly comment, uh, but there we go. In uh, As you've heard him cackling away, as is his absolutely brilliant want, we have the uh, the Reverend Anthony Glover in the house. Yes. 
Cool, blimey, Anthony. I, I'm, mm. I'm thinking of upgrading. I have uh, from 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 Ant- uh, Tony to Anthony because I I feel it adds more gravitas to me as I get older. Yeah, I've upgraded you. Thought you mate. of calling yourself Anthony as mm. if you're an American. It is actually spelt with the T H. Well, there spelled, we have it. You know, <laughs> yeah. and I'm, I'm thinking gravitas. You know, uh, yeah. silk smoking jackets, that sort of thing. You know, as, as warrants a person of my advancing years. Indeed. Perhaps. Now we also have the absolute uh, legend, fast becoming a Twitter legend as well, it has to be said, uh, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. I, I, I think that's other people misquoting me, Chidge. I can't believe that I've got it right. So um, I, I, I got viewed a lot over the weekend by doing my Gary Cahill getting the bumps, but noticing that Hazard was uh, um, kicking his son in the legs a lot after at the same time, which was a bizarre <laughs> coincidence. And probably obviously preparing him for uh, for playing in the Premier League or playing anywhere in the world. It was a very strange piece of uh, um, of you know addition to the to the bumps, which Hazard wasn't getting involved in at all. And some bloke rightly said, "I think it's because he's a bit little." And you think, "Yeah, he probably didn't want to get hurt by this this madness of hurling Cahill into the air." But I thought the uh, the reception for Cahill at the end of the game was fabulous. I thought he really deserved it. Good stuff. Well, I reckon I reckon that Hazard was probably avoiding it because he was hoping that he wasn't going to get the bumps as well. Now, last but by no means least on, on this best of a very bad bunch is the absolutely, I don't know, I mean, words fail me when it comes to this man. He's so erudite and entertains and uh, informs us in equal measure. Mr. Joe Tweedy. Yeah, evening, Chidge. Thanks for the introduction. Lovely, no problem. Always lovely to have you on the show, Joe. So there you go. Uh, and on with the show. Right, uh, on the show tonight, we're going to look at Chelsea's Jekyll and Hyde performance, uh, Kepa's world-class save, Kante's injury, Jorginho's improved performance, and Ruben Loftus-Cheek increasingly looking the part. Uh, in part two, we ask, how on earth have Chelsea ended up in the top four? And does Sarri deserve some credit for this? Uh, we give thanks to Gary Cahill as he bows out and ponder the future without Eden Hazard. And who else should and will leave Chelsea this summer? And will there be anyone left? At the last home game of the season representing something of an end of term, we discuss the real meaning of following Chelsea week in, week out, and how it differs from the echo chamber of following Chelsea via social media. And in part three... We look back at last Thursday's Europa League semi-final first leg away to Eintracht Frankfurt and ahead to the second leg this Thursday uh, with Rudiger and now Kante out and Frankfurt expecting two of their best players back. They could be a very different challenge for Chelsea. Is 1-0 enough or will we have our work cut out to make it to the final? And in part four, we have this week's Parish Notices plus your emails to read out. Now, don't forget you can listen to the show live every Monday, of course, or in fact Tuesday when it's a bank holiday Monday, because I'm forbidden to podcast on a bank holiday Monday. It's a religious thing. I'll explain it to you one day. Anyway, usually it's Monday, 7 o'clock of the evening, and you can go to Mixler, which is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea-Fancast, where you can join in the chat by posting in the live chat page, like so many do, and uh, there are millions of you in there tonight. It's great to see all the usual suspects. Glide like Boga, Vinod Ayer, the wonderful Vinod, Matthew D, Praj, Babatunde, Jide, Obatayo. What a name. Great name. Shed Upper Man, Artser, Praj, Bob Uzri, Paul Crowder, Stephen Mower. So many. Wise Dennis, Kurt. Brilliant. There's so many of you in that. It's fantastic. Now, of course, you can always tweet us at Chelsea Fancast during the show to tell us what you think about the games and anything else on, Ch- on Chelsea, of course. We love to hear from you, so make sure you do that. We'll be back in a second. 
Right, uh, okay, what a weird, weird, weird game. Um, I mean, what can I say? I mean, I just thought that it was such a Jekyll and Hyde performance. I mean, it really kind of mirrored this season, really. I mean, we were woeful in the first half. We didn't create anything. Passes were going all over the place. Uh, and I was just really fractious about it, actually. I mean, you know, we had very few shots on target again. It was just awful. And, and I mean, I, I, this is absolutely for real. I wasn't just saying it for the script. I really did go and... You know, I, I texted Tony just before the, the whistle at half time to say, mate, I can see there's nobody sitting next to you. I'm going to come and join you for the second half. Merely so I could just kind of forget the game, have a good chat with Tony and, and, and you know, forget about it. Did but, you want sympathy, Chidge, though? Did you want a rant with him? I just felt, yeah, I just thought. You know, berate the team. Was it that what it was? Well, I just what thought, was... no, really. It's just I just no. thought, you know what? You know, it's the last game of the season for me. I'd rather sit and have a chat with. T- if, if we were going to be shit and get beaten, I'd just rather sit next to Tony and enjoy his company if the game was going to be shit. But blow me, Tony. They, <laughs> they completely changed it around, didn't they? What's well, going on? Did, uh, there was one point I nearly said to you, can you hear that noise? And that noise would have been the sound of the humble pie lorry mm. pulling up right outside where we were sat. Offering us a great big slice each because at about half time we both concluded that it was dismal. I think that was a word that we both uh, conjured up as well. And you had Tony, the other Tony and Attilio with you as well, who yeah. were both basically saying, Dear Lord above, what have we just watched? Last game of the season, chance to go, you know, into the top four. And and we were just like we were in pub team mode. And then, like you said, we sat, we'd barely sat down within a few minutes and suddenly. We're thinking, what's what we see now? This is a, compl- a complete U-turn on everything from the first half in terms of effort, spirit. Um, you know, that just the sheer drive going forward, the verve, the confidence, uh, and it was marvellous. To I mean, I can't remember how uh, it was. It wasn't long before that the second goal had gone in, and we thought we were probably at that point. I think you know what I said to you about two 0 being the worst score in the world or whatever, but uh, I, I can't remember. I think so, Rubens. <laughs> Just that he just nicked one past the post, and you were thinking, Blimey, we could be onto a cricket score here. We carry on like this. It was fabulous. I know it was. I mean, I mean, Tony and I, Jonathan, were joking about the fact that uh, you know, had Sarri gone out for his customary fag at half time, <laughs> and therefore that made the difference, or had he not gone out for his customary fag at half time and actually said something useful, which made the difference. But we're not quite, I mean, whatever happened, the, certainly, you know, it was very obvious to see that the, the pace and the intensity absolutely stepped up didn't it i think he paid for the humble pie lorry to, uh, to go outside the whole of every single stand in the ground actually after that. Um, it was completely bizarre wasn't it they just went up a gear but i i find it so so difficult to uh, to appreciate what on earth goes on with is it that the other team dominates them is it that they that tactically something happens i don't i was looking to see had he changed it in some way was Jorginho playing slightly more further forward? What was it? Or was it just energy and quicker passing? Does he say, you've got to pass the ball quicker? So they have a go at doing that. I don't know, because the first half was just 
absolutely appalling with them um, with our friend the uh, the uh, the legend uh, of being Higwain. I mean, a man who should be playing in legends football uh, as if he's <laughs> as if he's as if he's over fifty, wandering around like a podgy replica of himself. I thought he's gone even worse. At least he um, wasn't off. At least he wasn't offside. I, I, he, I, 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 sorry, say Tony. Yeah, go on. Yeah, I, was gonna, I play over fifties walking football, mate, and I still reckon I've probably got a couple of yards on Higwain. <laughs> well, it, it's the desire that he wants the ball to to feet. You just think. No, make a run. In fact, the the uh, uh, it probably should be for later. But in fact, the moment that he scored the third goal, I was in fact saying the words I used were, forgive me, were for fuck's sake, <laughs> make a fucking run. That's what I said. Whereupon he made the run and dinked it over, and everybody around me went ah ah. I went oh okay, a yeah, good point, good point. The only run he's made in the whole game. But yeah, it was. Absolutely peculiar. I, I I don't get it. And even Hazard in the first half was just wandering about like a, a lost soul, not being involved. And every everything that was bad about them was, you know, nobody could cross. <laughs> they were losing possession. They looked as if they would leak goals. And in fact, Kepper kept them in it out, really. Yeah, the they did, yes. Goal had mm. gone in. Um, can I just tell you a, a bizarre exchange I had with the bloke next to me? Because I said, I said, bloody hell, what a great save that was. And he said, no, mate. Hit the post, he said. He was nowhere near it. I said, no, no. no he, he, he palmed it away. I said, look, he's been congratulated. No, mate, no, 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 no. Hit the post. He was nowhere near it. I said, look, let's look at the replay. The replay came up. I said, look, he saved it. He said, no, hit the post, hit the post. I said, Can we, we'll have to wait till half time then. Half time we're watching the telly. See, mate, he said, hit the post, I told you. So we, he was never satisfied. <laughs> As it, was, he, was he blind or just stupid? I, I, oh God, I don't know. Some of the people that sit up there near you, I, I just know. defy I know words. They are. They are they, well, I, I, I almost got into a fight the other day. Did you? Unbelievable. Yeah, in the uh, in the East Stand Middle. By, um, Kate, I know. I know. I couldn't. I couldn't believe my. I couldn't believe myself. I'm dreadful, appalling. But he he kept saying. Um, um, he, he really had it in for Jorginho. He kept saying, you are absolutely appalling. Stop passing it backwards. Stop passing backwards. He said, oh, drop. I said, look, mate, please just shut up. Give him a chance. Give him a go, please. Let's get behind the team, please. All you do is be negative. And he he, he lost it completely, this bloke. And anyway. Jumped down two seats. <clears throat> oh, did he? He's going to have a go at you? Oh, he into my face. And he, but then, then he revealed far too much about himself. He said, listen, I'm not a boy anymore. I'm not a boy that you can put down. He said, I'm a man now. I'm a grown man. How old was he? Uh, In fact, he said, he revealed to all of us around, he said, I'm 38. I'm 38. He said, I'm not a boy. I'm not a boy. And, uh, And I went, no, no, absolutely. But I said, the problem you have is everybody thinks you're a dick. (laughs) <laughs> and he went, I really said that. I could, well, these things come upon me. I don't. And he went, what? What? I haven't had a fight with anybody here for, for, for two years. And I said, well, I hope it's not going to be me. And, he, and his dad, would you believe, his dad grabbed him. His dad was with him and said, don't do that. Don't do that. Come back here. Come back. Come back. So the whole thing was averted. What, without a, what an absolute... What Jesus Christ, honestly, and we're, we're in with the commoners, Chidge. I know, I know. What an absolute prick. Um, right, Joe, Joe's probably think, thinking that we've forgotten all about him because I've let Jonathan, uh, you know, regale us with stories yeah. of violence well, in the East. To Jonathan for the next in the, hour. In the East yeah. Middle. I mean, Joe, well, that's that. I'm, I kind of want to talk about aggro in the East Middle, but I'm not going to. I'm not Let's going go to. It. Let's go back to the football. Um, 
you know, Sari, Sari said that uh, that they were basically mentally and physically tired, and that's why they were so shocking in the first half. But which may or may not be true. But it was it was it was just such a contrast, wasn't it, in the second half? And I mean, you know, scoring from two set pieces. What's going on? Yeah, this there's there's been so many games this season where we've had a shit half and then a great half. I'm thinking this is like the reverse of that Everton game that we played where we completely battered them, didn't score, and then second half completely folded. It, it, it's been the, the, the Frankfurt game. We were yeah. okay first half, you know, and then I thought we were brilliant in the second half. And again, you know, against Watford, we were completely abject in, in the first half and second half was was completely different. Um, I think sometimes, I, I was quite interesting because I think Graham Sooner's got a lot of stick for, for this comment that he made and, and, you know, about sort of desire and wanting it and stuff like that. And, I think sometimes it, it is stuff like that that seem to improve. We seem to be, diff, you know, first to more balls. We seem to be slightly more up for it. We were more competitive. You know, we, we, when you see Jorginho actually making tackles, I think that, that says something a lot about the about the team sort of mentality. And as you say, you know, scoring from two set pieces, it, it felt alien. You know, it felt like a, a Chelsea team from from a few years back. Uh, you know, Louise obviously with a with a bullet header and, and Loftus Cheek obviously seems to be sort of something that he's getting a li- little bit of a knack of as well. Now that sort of back post header. That was a desire, Joe, wasn't it? That that Louise header. We haven't seen that from yeah. him for ages. Yeah, and I, I think actually that that probably was was the sort of summing up the second half. Was that the, the you know you could really see in the players that they actually wanted to go yeah. and go and win the game. And, and you know even for for Loftus Cheek's goal, you know he's getting marked by by Schallerberg, you know, shirt grabbing all that sort of stuff. It's a, it's a desire to want to go and win the ball, and I don't think we've seen that enough this season. And when Indeed. you when you maybe yeah you know when you sort of combine a bit of that aggression, a bit of that sort of desire. With some of the, you know, some of the concepts that Sari's trying, we get occasionally we get some halves of football which are really enjoyable to watch. I think this and and you know the second half against Frankfurt in particular were, were enjoyable to watch. So yeah. you, you're kind of sort of scratching your head a bit as if to say, well, you know, where has this been all season? But you know, it just just seems to be one of those things. Indeed, it does. Uh, well done, Joe. Good analysis there. Uh, right, let's go kind of whiz back a bit in time, uh, eight minutes in to be precise. Uh, poor old Kante, uh, very sad to see him trudging off with what looks like a hamstring. Um, my suspicion is if it's a hamstring, he's out for the season, although they seem to be saying, well, if we get to the final of the Europa League, he might make it back for that. But, Tony, that's a massive blow if Kante's out, isn't it? If he's done his hamstring, he's not playing for the final. Hello? Yeah, sorry. say that again. Yeah, uh, yeah sorry. Uh, if he's done his hamstring, he's not back for the final. I agree. Right. And I... I, I... As you well know, I did my hamstring playing walking football. Only you and could do that, mate. Exactly. As my wife said, only you could pull a hamstring walking. It's a bit more complicated, that, Joe, before you go anywhere with that one. Um, <laughs> but um, I would say that, um, and that took me the best part of three or four weeks before I was uh, comfortable again. And Can uh, I say, though, you, you are a little bit, uh, um, how can I put it, older than him. And yeah. he might... He, he might uh, not to be horrid, but about you are. the same. He's about the same height, though. To be fair, yeah, Jonathan. That's true. Yeah. That's true. That's true. He in <laughs> fact tweaked it earlier, earlier, and tried to run it off. Because yeah. He, he, I don't know if you saw it, but he, he when he was ran, running into the uh, into the Watford half, he sort of stuttered going after the ball and didn't get yeah. there. And I yeah. thought oh, he's done something, and then he carried on. I thought, oh, he can't be that bad, but it obviously was. But you, you don't try and run a hamstring off, bloody hell! I couldn't. Uh, no, you don't. It. He that's should have come off immediately. He had yeah. a go. To be fair, you know. To be fair, though, in the old days, they used to try and run broken legs off. That's true. That's true. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, absolutely it's true. true. Yeah, yeah. Um, so poor old Kante, Joe. I mean, we are we are seriously going to miss him, aren't we, mate? 
Yeah, massively. Um, I think actually the the kind of the the tone of the first half really sort of turned on him going off. You know, he's such a a vital part of just sort of the energy of the team, and he's kind of sort of the heartbeat in that respect. That you know, if he's sort of chasing everyone around, then I think everyone else sort of feels like they need to follow him. And I think when he came off, it was a, a bit of a lull for definitely for the next sort of 30, 35 minutes. And uh, yeah, huge huge loss for the final because you know he's such a he's such a kind of vital piece of the puzzle. You know, he's probably I still think probably the, the best defensive midfielder in, in in sort of world football and his ability just to pressure and harry and you know we, we've all seen the improvement he's made as well this season I think you know sort of as a as more of an attacking threat but I think it's just his his presence and energy which are going to be a huge miss and you know again for someone who whose game is built on the I mean the amount of of, of you know kilometers that he carries during a game you know pulling a hamstring I mean yeah, I, I'm pretty much with with uh, with JK, though, I, I don't think he's going to be. Uh, I don't think he'll be back for the be, be back for the final. Um, you know, we, we've seen a couple of players, Louise, I think, and, and came back from a hamstring injury for the Champions League final, but that was pretty much on on the premise that he had, you know, half a sort of bottle of, of painkillers injected into his hamstring for the game. So I'm not sure if Kante will do that, but yeah, it, it's an enormous blow, mm. and I think actually, yeah. you know, yeah, it'd be great if he can come back, but I, I, I definitely wouldn't risk playing a, a half-fit Kante no. uh, if he gets to the final. I, 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 I just want to interject there because um, I think also painkillers don't stop the tightness either. They yeah. don't. They don't particularly loosen it up, so you're still going to be playing with a. Um, uh, with with a, with with that tight, that your tight even if the pain's gone the tightness will prevent you from from moving as freely. Yeah. However, however, and I I, I want to throw this in. I know it's not scripted, but Rubens Loftus Cheek came on. Kovacic sort of sat back into that the only role I think he's any bloody good at, which is sitting in front of the defence where he is a pain in the ass. He can break up um, attacks. He can defend and he doesn't uh, need he can to tackle shoot there, does and he? He doesn't either. need to shoot, he doesn't need to do anything attacking. And yeah. I've every time I've seen him do that, he's been useful. Then you've got Loftus Cheek and a, a Loftus Cheek and or a choice of him or Barkley to take what Kante was Kante was trying to do, which is you know, be, be a bit more uh, attack minded or whatever. So I'm not, sure, I'm not convinced that it's it's as disastrous. Mm. I just no, what I, I thought what the I, second half really worked well. Yeah, and what, what I'm thinking exactly the point can you, of, Wait, wait. Can you yeah, not exactly speak at the same time because you basically just cancel each other out? Yeah, so that's exactly be. the point I was going to make, Tony. Yeah, that's all so, I wanted to say. All I was going to say is whether or not Sarri picks up on that, that he sees that and thinks, right, OK, there's the plan B, but I'm not convinced he will. But, you know, we'll, let, let's see. Mm, interesting stuff. I tell you what, actually, that I noticed, and you know, credit where it's due, because I, I I don't mind giving people honest stick, but you know, if they do all right, I'll give them honest praise. And I've got to be honest, uh, Jorginho, uh, I thought had a much improved performance against Watford. I also think he did pretty well against Frankfurt. I definitely think that it has everything to do with him being banged on the head. I think he, I think they knocked <laughs> him unconscious in Frankfurt, and uh, they told him he was Kante. <laughs> Because, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. he, he's been brilliant since then. I thought he was fantastic, you know, against Walford. He was, you know, putting it about, getting in tackles in and defending better. I, I read a lovely quote, actually, uh, from uh, the guy. It wasn't Ollie, actually, because Ollie was away. But whoever wrote the, uh, the the pieces for Football London after the game, Ray O'Donovan or something? Anyway, he said this about Jorginho. He said, the problem with Jorginho is that when he plays bad, he stands out like a sore thumb. But when he plays to the top of his game, no one really notices it because everything just flows through him. And I thought that was a really good point, Joe, actually. But he did all right, didn't he? 
Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I mean, for, for, for people, it, it's a bit like in Toy Story when you kind of got Buzz Lightyear gets switched to the Spanish mode and sort of turns into kind of the Spanish flamenco dance. It's a little bit like what's happening with Jorginho. He's had this kind of bump on the head and all of a sudden he's... I mean, it was in Frankfurt. He got the bump on the head and two minutes later, I saw him fly into a tackle like Michael Essien. And I was like, what on earth is, is going on here? But since that that moment, I mean, he's had two halves, I would say, second or both both second halves where he's he's looked like the £60 million player that, that, that we bought. Or, you know, and I think actually, again, it, it's a really good point because you know, when you have Makaleli playing at the base of midfield or John Obi Mikel, you know, their best games are when you didn't notice them. You know, they, yeah. they got the ball, they, they distributed it. It was, everything was nicely done. They, they covered the back four. And I, I do, do completely agree. And I think actually, yeah, you know, the last, the last couple of games, um, he's, he's been sort of as advertised. I still think that there's, there's more to come and I, I'd like more from him. Um, but, but definitely a lot more of, of the player that, that you would, uh, you know, you would sort of associate with, with the guy who was playing in, in Napoli and, yeah, you know, I think again, if, if he can continue on from this, you know, it, it's certainly a lot more promising than, than what we've seen earlier in the season. But it, it's definitely, you know, linked to the uh, the fact that he's wearing the headband now. I think that that has some sort of <laughs> special powers. But uh, yeah, where has he suddenly great. developed the uh, the tackling from? Because he was yeah, that, his, that's crazy. Yeah, that was he was that he broke down several attacks. You just thought, God, that's a really decent tackle. Where's he been hiding this? Yeah. I, I think he thinks he's Kante. He, he thinks he's Kante because basically that's what they told him when they woke him up at Frankfurt. I'm convinced of it. The other thing I noticed, and actually this, to be fair, I didn't notice this at all because my eyesight can hardly pick out who the bloody players are these days, <laughs> let, alone, let alone, as I said to Tony at the time, but I mean, let alone what socks they were wearing. But Football London very kindly alerted me to the fact that apparently, because uh, of course they were parading the new kit on uh, Saturday, on Sunday, and Jorginho was wearing the old uh, socks, uh, not the new socks, yes. which have a kind of a red yes. and blue trim halfway up. Uh, and apparently that's obviously got to do something with uh, superstition. No wonder Sarri likes him so much. They're both superstitious old gits. Anyway, I, I, what a, I mean, the interesting thing, Tony and I were saying, Jonathan, that the new kit looked all right because we couldn't see the crayon marks from where we exactly. were sitting. Exactly, the magic marker. You can't yeah. see it from the, uh, from the stand. I think if you're, the trouble is if you're... Um, a youth, you probably can see it very much because your your eyesight's better. But Am yeah, I, it, it it just looked as if from it, we couldn't even see it. I thought it's Barrow. You can't see it from here. It looks all right yeah. actually. The V neck. Now, can I? Can it's I, interesting. Can... The socks. You know, they just say quickly. Those socks aren't what were advertised. You know, the white with the uh, with the, the the red and blue or with the orange. It looks orange to me, not red. Yeah. That little flash on the back, which is bizarre. But they were supposed to be a kind of bluey grey thing. And I read an article where. Um, lots of kids tried to buy the new kit and they didn't have the socks available because somehow they'd forgotten to to make them to, to, to <laughs> fabricate them so so they so there's a result they've gone up, gone with it was easier to make white ones with this new, the new flashes on it so they've gone with that but originally if you look at all the the um, the spec for it it was supposed to be a kind of of gray blue thing because i had a big discussion with somebody about saying i don't want to go back to 1967 thank you very much when we lost the fa cup final with that kit because that reminds me it's too and somebody else said well actually no i think we wore the same kit in 1993 um with a kind of blue with a red and blue top to it and i went oh okay so there is a president lo and behold it's white with these with these strange orange and 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 blue things in the middle of them uh, but in it's it's i suppose we'll get used to it as you say the advantage of not being able to see the drawing on it is a is a good one because it is it, it's as if it, it reminds me 
of um, uh, I think I've said this. Um, uh, I used to to shop at C and A when I was in in uh, in my teens, and uh, they were they were a Dutch. Uh, firm and they had um, a shop in the middle of Kensington High Street and uh, I bought a very trendy um, uh, paisley shirt with very similar black drawing on it all over it it was very groovy then but uh, trust me now it just looks a pile of poo well so, uh, go on go on uh, Tony I just got to say I did say this to you as well I like it uh, I it's the only Nike kit I've liked mm. uh, the well, I came back to the pub where I've got a, a, a sort of a, a gathering of, of young Chelsea fans in the family. They love it. They absolutely love it. And the people who I travel back with and up with, they bought it and showed me it in the car. And I thought that is it's it. The blue is lustrous. It's beautiful. And I quite like it. So I'm going to stick to my guns. I, it, it, I don't think it's aimed. At, uh, I don't know who it is. I well, I, I think I think that that is the salient point, and I don't know why we get so aerated about it on Twitter. Apart from the fact that everybody on Twitter likes to get aerated, but you know, I mean, how many of the people that moan like stink about the kit who are on Twitter, who are our age group, actually wear a bloody kit? I'd say about one percent of them. So Can you know, say, you, my my comment get... about the whole thing really is that it, it it you know it's horrible, but it's for kids. So stop getting wound up about it, Jonathan. If you go to the club shop, as I did, and all they appear to have is that shirt, it, you, it, it does your head in, yeah. I, I tell you. Because all it is is because they, they appear to have got rid of practically every other shirt you could buy for the moment. And, and bizarrely, Eden Hazard is about nine foot tall in every, <laughs> in, in, in every bloody picture. You go in there and you think... He, he, in fact, uh, it, it's actually it's thrown me a complete curveball because I think he can't possibly be going. He can't because I've never seen him. I've never seen him so huge. No, it's, come on, it's it's blatant, blatant rip off marketing having him fronting it all. Of course it is. Well, why is he advertised the kit before he went off to yeah. Leicester? And did, as did Ballock. Yeah, but they've yeah. also said because the lovely John, who who is now my only, uh, uh, you know, remaining. Well, there's a lovely bloke I talked to who who kind of sat sits between me and where Joe used to sit. Joe will remember him, I'm sure. Uh, you know, lovely bloke. And then there's John, of course, who I've got to know this year, who I know he listens to the show a lot. But he sent me a, a, a message the other day with a letter from the club saying that, you know, basically, you know, if you buy um, a, a kit with Hazard's name on it, they can't, you know, they won't refund it if he's not there. So they've already got their excuse it listen just very quickly you lot um because i've noticed of course that i mean the, the thing that we don't like of course the old gits the the yadars the alcoholic yadars let's get it right is is that we like tradition we don't like change you know so when, when we have new things we we don't like it because it doesn't fit with tradition and of course there's some red on the kit now this is not new uh, we've had red on the kit many 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 times before but i can i can tell you via blue squirrel that the club had their way they'd have us playing in red every week because it appeals to the Asian market, and they don't care one jot about tradition. Anyway, enough about the kit. Um, Joe, let's talk about Ruben Loftus-Cheek, because uh, <laughs> obviously he came on for uh, Kante, and uh, I-, I thought had another superb performance. Um, he looks such a threat whenever he gets the ball and runs with it. His defensing, defensive you know, uh, positioning is much better. He scores a headed goal. I mean, the thought that I've got, actually, Joe, is that you know, the last few matches, his, he's becoming so impressive. He looks so 
so comfortable now playing in that position. But he's he's. I saw a wonderful stat on match of the day that basically for the last ten games he's almost got the same amount of assists and goals as Hazard has. And I'm just wondering if if Hazard does go in the summer, which we all expect him to do, do you think that Loftus Cheek could kind of pick up his mantle? Big shoes to fill. Um, I mean, he's not going to be as good yeah. or the same player. I yeah. get that, but you know, in terms of his contribution to the team, shall we say, and his goals and assists. I mean, I, I think the, the really interesting thing to me is if you look at sort of midfielders across Europe now, they're, they're all pretty similar in terms of attributes. You've got this sort of Kovacic plus maybe a little bit more where they're very neat and tidy. They look very nice on the ball, very aesthetic, a lot of sideways passing, you know, very good in keeping the ball. I think he, he's almost kind of a unique player now in terms of the fact that he'll get the ball turned so and actually, you know, he, he all he wants to do is drive at, drive at the opposition. And I think that... Now that we're sort of seeing him play a little bit more regularly, that he's becoming a massive problem for teams because it doesn't really matter, it seems to be, who's kind of trying to tap, take him on one-on-one. He just rolls people and then that's it, he's gone. And he has these sort of moments in games where he sort of runs and then obviously gets into his stride. And I think actually, you know, the, the, the more I sort of see him, I think he could easily be, a, you know, a, a double figures in terms of goals and maybe double figures in terms of assist player. And while I don't think that that is, you know, it's, it's going to be... Uh, Know, in terms of <clears throat> sort of Eden Hazard's sort of general aura, I, th- I think actually, you know, that he could be sort of a player that, that Chelsea kind of build around because, again, you know, you, you look into Europe now and I, I don't see a player really that has his kind of ceiling in terms of how good he can be. You know, if he continues to play, continues to improve, continues to improve his defensive positioning, you know, gets more comfortable. We've seen him starting to, to score goals now. He can shoot from outside the area. You know, he can shoot left-footed. He can sort of get in the box and, and nick a header now. So, you know, this sort of improvement that we've seen, I think he, he's he's become this almost this kind of very, very unique prospect in, in Europe. And, you know, in, in terms of building a team around the play, I'm not saying we should necessarily build it around one player, but in midfield, you know, I'd be, I'd be very happy to, to see him sort of be the main guy and Chelsea kind of look to support him with, with some more players. But, you know, he's been he's been fantastic the last sort of 10 games. And, you know, you can see it in his confidence. I think when he talks now to the media, yeah, he's almost sort of good. taking on that kind of yeah. John Terry sort of air of... of you know, he sort of feels and you know, kind of lives and breathes Chelsea. And when he kind of talks, I know you sort of see a lot of players say, you know, Chelsea this, Chelsea that. When, when he says stuff about the club, it's convincing. And I think that that, for me, is is a prospect of someone who's come through the club from eight years old. When he says we, you know, you kind of feel it as as as, as he's sort of really sort of saying it with sincerity as well. So I think he, he's becoming a bit, of a, a bit of a face of the club. And, I, you know, as someone who obviously is, is very, very pro-academy players getting opportunities, I'm delighted that he's sort of, taking his opportunity, you know, it's been a difficult road for him to get there. But now he seems to have taken that shirt and, he, and he's kind of running away with, 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 you know, with the battle for that left central midfield row and hopefully Lil may it continue. He's come on leaps and bounds, hasn't yeah. he, in, uh, in speaking, not only in his, his team performances on the pitch, but actually his, his media performances. He was really yeah. confident. And uh, as you say, it's it's very good for the club having him there. And of course, he, he originally, he was Abramovich's blue-eyed boy wasn't he Abramovich yeah. wanted wanted him to be the perfect example of best players coming up from the youth system and it didn't work because Mourinho didn't know how to handle it I remember um uh, one point though Joe I wanted to, to bring up was uh, d- does he fit in with the way that Sarri wants to play really because it, keeping the ball and dribbling it it doesn't appear to be what Sarismo is all about yeah, no, I mean, I'd agree on that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a really interesting thing because, you know, you, you see sort of the, the general way that we want to play is, is obviously these sort of vertical triangles and kind of progressing the ball up the pitch. Yeah. I think now that so many teams are sort of doing this kind of copycat style of, of, of sort of playing tiki-taka light and, and this sort of pressing football, 
it, it's almost given us a completely different dimension that when he gets the ball, you know, how teams are maybe traditionally defending now, he, he, he completely breaks how you, how you defend in midfield because when he does that little shift of the feet or when he rolls a player with, with some, some skill or a drag back or something, yeah, yeah. It, it, just, it just completely disrupts things. I think now that when we start playing teams, it's going to be interesting maybe next season if he's more prominent because teams maybe are now going to have to account for him. I remember watching this, you know, the Man City documentary when they won the title and I think the thing that stuck out to me was when Guardiola was singling him out when he played for Crystal Palace. You know, you've got to watch him because he'll turn you, because he'll roll you, because he's big, he's strong, he can get round you. You know, and if Guardiola's sort of singling him out, you know, a season ago, the improvements yeah. he's made this season hopefully continues to make. I think he's well, going to be, yeah, a really threatening player. They loved him at Palace because yeah. of that, which we weren't seeing, of course, because yeah. we weren't seeing him play regularly. Didn't, but, didn't you uh, watch Palace last season, Jonathan? Funnily enough, um, I, I, I watched him <laughs> as, much as, as much as I watched Napoli. Yeah, I was going to say, Jonathan was watching Napoli. Of yeah. course, of course. Uh, Tony, uh, give you the last word on Ruben, mate. Fabulous to see, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, we've, I've been on this fan cast now, I don't know, probably going for about three years or whatever, and I've been on the JK and we've both sat there but shaking our heads. Um, you know, virtually from a distance saying no one knows what position. He doesn't seem to know what he wants to do. He's, he's had chances to come on and hasn't impressed. Uh, and that's why that was the point I was making earlier, because although no one shone in the first half um, and he ran up a few blind alleys, but he was no better or worse than any other player on the pitch, you know, like Hazard. And that all seemed a bit lost and a bit disjointed um, in the second half. He was sensational. Some of the turns when he gets the ball for a big lad, you know, he can turn defenders, he can turn other midfielders inside out, he's got power, mm. and it's good to see. And that, you know, there's an obvious confidence that is coming from more appearances. Um, and and he, he has to be very close to a point where um, he's uh, 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 one of the starters on the team sheet. You know, you remember Mourinho had his, he had his kind of untouchables, didn't he? Um, and I'm, I'm thinking that he's he can't be far from being that because he's he is so good and he offers so much. And you know what he does that, for example, Kovacic doesn't do. Or, you know, like, don't give me different positions or whatever. But he scores goals. And I've said it before that I, you know I think he's got an opportunity there. If, if we were absolutely you know dead out of strikers, why don't you put Rubens up there? Because he he doesn't mind having a bang at goal, does he? Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Excellent stuff, Tony. Brilliant. Lovely way to round that up on him. I just actually f- final one point. I did a did the breakfast show at Love Sport on Sunday morning uh with Richard Lee, uh, Dickie Lee, who used to be a goalkeeper for Watford and Brentford and other uh teams, rubbish teams, sorry Dickie. Uh but um you know, he knows his onions. He used to play football and it wasn't that long ago that he played and he we were talking about Ruben Loftus-Cheek and he he said he is a real unit, isn't he? It's his physicality that that really stands out. So it's promising. Let's hope he stays fit. Now, Part two, we're going to ask how on earth uh, have Chelsea ended up in the top four and does Sarri deserve some credit for this? Uh, we give thanks to Gary Cahill as he bows out and ponder the future without Eden Hazard. And who else should and will leave Chelsea this summer and will there be anyone left? And with the last home game of the season representing something of an end of term, we discuss the real meaning of following Chelsea week in, week out and how it differs from the echo chamber of following Chelsea via social media. The only place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea.
Welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you are listening to the Chelsea Fancast. Uh, as ever, a quick plug for our wonderful website, chelseafancast.com. Uh, some good stuff going up there week on week uh, with uh, Alex Churchill contributing regularly, uh, the lovely uh, Clitheroe Blue, Jonathan Ellis, and the Dean Dean Mears, who's in, in listening in Mixler as we speak. Uh, has written some cracking blogs recently, So uh, and, and Tosser of Coin contributed one the other day, which was good. So keep it up, folks. They're all good stuff. Uh, one day I'll write one for the website. You never know your luck, uh, or maybe not uh, lucky, as uh, I'll leave you to judge. Right, first things first. Uh, top four has been confirmed. Now, before I, before we wax lyrical about the whys and the wherefores, of course, I cannot let uh, a week go by now with, without my multicoloured... Uh, spreadsheet which <laughs> but, predicts everything but you uh, were right Chidge. You i were was right well i was right about uh well i was kind of right i mean you know what did i say i said that i said that uh united would win against huddersfield they drew i said that arsenal would draw against brighton and they drew i said spurs would beat bournemouth and they lost i said we'd beat watford and we did and we know you know liverpool and man, man city whatever so, I, I, as ever, I wasn't entirely right. But, I mean, who on earth, who on earth could have predicted how laughable and shit Spurs, Arsenal and United are? It's just beggar's belief. I mean, let's, there's no doubt about it. You know, we're, we're a third by default, in my opinion, to be harsh, but I think we are. But look at United. They've lost one, two. two they've lost two and drawn four of their last four. Arsenal have lost three and drawn one of their last four. And Spurs have lost two, sorry, three, and won one of their last four. I mean, that's just abysmal, Jonathan. Abysmal. But but we could have predicted that Spurs would go Spursy, couldn't we, really? But uh, surprisingly, we we gave them a lot of of optimism. We thought that they would somehow drive through to the end of the season. But it it doesn't normally happen, does it? So why... You were right about it. You predicted that that, that we'd end up... uh, in the top four, and you were absolutely correct. And mm. um, Spurs were rubbish. And and apparently Arsenal, um, uh, Emery is very good at concentrating on cups and doesn't care about the league towards the end of the season because he did that when he was managing. What was it? Seville? Did he manage Seville? Was it then? Yeah. Who did he manage? Yeah. Seville. And uh, yeah, yeah. And he uh, he apparently did that. He they their league form fell away and they won the Europa League. So perhaps he's relying on that. And uh, United, well, you sort of could have predicted it, really, couldn't you? After after Solskjaer's uh, uh, purple passage, his purple uh, um, experiences with, with with getting them to play for him, and uh, suddenly he can't get them to play for him anymore, and they're all reverted to type. So uh, yes, I think I think well, I think we were very fortunate that we we had um, uh, the beginning, the period where Sarismo hadn't been sussed by putting somebody on Jorginho, and we won all those games. Because that gave us a kind of of, of points accumulation that um, and you know we have frittered them away, but uh, it's kept us there or thereabouts, and it's allowed them the other teams just to completely fall apart. And also they 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 couldn't cope with uh, they haven't been able to cope, have they, with uh, with Europe? I mean, United weren't were, weren't weren't in Europe, so well, they, of course they weren't. What am I talking about? You know, none. Of, I think they they all they all they didn't cope in the way that we managed with uh, the Europa League because he changed the team so so frequently, didn't he, old um, Sarri? Because the, the Europa League side was always completely different from the one that played at the weekend until it reversed itself. So perhaps he was very clever that way, Sarri, by making sure that we weren't as, as knackered as uh, all the other teams have been. Perhaps it's down to that. Yeah, it could be. Joe, um, 
the question, I mean, you know, I, I'm quite adamant about this. I mean, you know, we, we've got in by default. I mean, we may well end up third, uh, and I will laugh hugely if we do. And, of course, if Spurs draw against Everton um, at home, and I think Everton are the form side uh, in the league at the moment, uh, then and if we draw against Leicester, which I think is more than possible, then uh, then that is how it will end up. But, I mean, the, the reality is, mate, does, does, this, does this obscure our problems this season? Um, and, and should we be praising Sarri for getting third, or should we be a bit more cynical? I mean, yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, subcontext to that, isn't there? Just, um, I mean, the, the fascinating thing is, if you think all of the the praise that, that Mauricio Pochettino gets, and and Sarri potentially finishes above him in his first season, where you know there's been, a, you know, at best, you know, he's been sort of fifty fifty with with sort of fans. I think that 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 in, in you know, kind of in of itself is quite crazy. But in, in terms of obscuring sort of the problems yeah I mean of course it does my my worry is is that the board look at the table and then kind of adopt that traditional you know the league never lies mantra and believe that we don't need to sort of significantly approve it and you know kind of across the team really and if we get the opportunity to invest across the summer you know and, and go and invest in a load of sort of mediocre players as what we've seen kind of recently so you know I, th- I think we've you know we've, we've seen a lot of peculiar results um it, it just it's the weirdest thing ever and personally you know the Sunday I was I was at the the Copenhagen derby and actually didn't realize that we qualified for the Champions League until I got in at quite blurry eyed at about three in the morning on, on Monday um that, that we'd actually qualify for the Champions League so it, it's kind of almost sort of snuck up behind us I think we've we've picked up five points out of 12 you know sort of going going for a kind of top four you'd expect that to be nine or ten and yet we've kind of crept from sixth to third it, it just doesn't really bear relation to any season that I can personally remember in terms of that sort of, you know, turn of events, given the fact that we've not particularly kind of steamrolled our way in or charged our way in. So, yeah, I, I think it, it does obscure a lot of what we've seen this season. But my one hope is if you look at the, the league table, we are 24 points um, behind Manchester City. You know, that's eight wins. Um, so I, I'm, I'm hopeful that the club don't so much look at the fact that we finished third, but just see that gap between us and Liverpool and City and say, OK, you know, 20 or points is, is not good enough for a, for a team like Chelsea. And obviously that then requires that the investment we need. Um, Sorry, yeah, I think he does. You know, I think he does deserve some credit. He's kind of met the objectives that, that we've needed this season. You know, he'd be able to get Champions League, potentially in a Europa League final. I think many people would have taken that at the beginning of the season. But, you know, if you start to analyse the, the journey that we've made this season, I think there have been many... Many times you can question sort of some of the managerial decisions and just the, the general way that we've sort of, you know, looked this season. You know, we're, we're, we're praising sort of halves of football in the past two games rather than complete performances. And, you know, there's lots of stuff that I'm not I'm not super keen on with Sorry, But ultimately, you know, the results, uh, uh, you know, are, are attributed to the manner. Wins are attributed to manager. Losses are attributed to manager. So, you know, you'd have to say that, that if we finish third, then, you know, he has to get a pat on the back, I think. Nip in there. It's, um, the the mm. supposed mediocre players that we bought were. I'm sure nobody thought when they bought them that Batshuayi, Bakayoko, or Arata were mediocre players. It's just that they've all failed to deal with the Premier League. Um, so I, I don't think it was that they were they were they were low priced, were they? They were all very expensive and just haven't haven't succeeded. And yeah. so the, in the, from that point of view, the board weren't penny pinching because they really thought that they were going to they were going to provide and they didn't. I mean, but I, I suppose my point being, if, if you take Bakayoko as an example, if you look at that Monaco team that got broken up, how, how we've looked at that Monaco team and got Bakayoko versus yeah. Bernardo Silva versus Mbappe versus 
Sadibi versus all these other great players they had. You know, that I, again, I don't necessarily think the money reflects a, a mediocre player, but I, I don't think necessarily that the due diligence has been done on some of these players because, you know, we, we yeah. make... We, we get a lot more misses than hits, and that can't be a coincidence. Yeah, I think that has a lot to do with the fact that our relationships are with agents. Yeah, I agree. You know, agree too, who, are, who are dripping, you know, honey into the ears of those who make the decisions, and those who make the decisions I don't think have enough football knowledge. But let's not play that bloke broken record again. We can do that all summer. Um, what intrigues me, guys, is that... If you look at the league table now and you look at the league table at the end of last season, it's remarkable. Uh, I mean, right now we're third with one game to go. We've won 21 matches, drawn eight, lost eight. Our goal difference is 24. So that's 63 scored, 39 conceded, and we have 71 points. Last season, right, we finished fifth. Uh, We won 21 games, drew seven, lost 10, uh, scored 62 conceded 38 goal difference 24.70 it's almost identical tony it's bizarre isn't it it is absolutely bizarre and and not not far off when you look at what what we've got as the last game which isn't going to be an easy game by any uh, by any any anyone's um, measurement scale is it you know Leicester away oh, and you know they're all playing for their place under Brendan Rodgers next season so you know it, it's possible that we don't end up uh, an awful lot better, you know, other than that one point. It is that's quite frightening. Now, um, you know that that indicates to me that this 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 goes back to the thing. Is you know, do, does Sarri deserve some? Of course he does. You know, there has been some stuff in there that's been. You know, I'm not I'm not going to sit there and say it's all been shit, right? But what I would say is is that you know, for a lot of the time, I haven't enjoyed the football. The actual football, I've found it very turgid. I've seen some of the most gutless displays ever, ever, and springing to mind immediately. Um, and um, and I just think I've not seen any progress. And this was the big thing. If I'd seen progress, if I thought I was seeing progress towards something that was bigger and better, rather than, as Joe described it, tippy-tappy, light foot, tiggy-tacky, light foot, you know, um, then, I, then I might be convinced. But I'm, I'm absolutely not. And I think... I, I will say that, um, uh, you know, Manchester United started fantastically under Solskjaer. They would never have been in with a shout if they'd have carried on Marina. So he did a good job even getting them to within a shout of that top four. Um, uh, did any of us ever foresee Spurs being so Spursy? I don't, I don't think so. I think, you know, they, they were uh, looking, you know, at least to compete with Liverpool and City this year. Uh, and they have had a big drop off. Um, Arsenal, um, you know, they... Emery was always always had a big job following Wenger, irrespective of Wenger's results. That's a a big ghost uh, to have hanging around you know you know in that place and and everywhere you turn, there's, you know there's going to be sort of memories of of what Wenger achieved. So we've done well, um, but I'm with Joe. I think you you can't look at a 23 point difference between us and Liverpool and say well done. Um, not much of a gap to close there because that's it's a phenomenal gap. It is a phenomenal gap, and it, you know, seventy points last season we finished on seventy-one. We're on now. Let's assume we get to seventy-four. It's not that much of an improvement, is it? Let's be, let's be fair. Well, it think, really think, isn't. You know, the key thing if you look at those two tables, I know you can see. Unfortunately, people listening can't. But I basically printed out uh, last year where it finished top six, and this year where we are right now. And the the essential difference, whether we finish third or fourth, is immaterial. Immaterial, but the Arsenal have actually improved slightly, but they're still 
outside the top four. The real difference is the is the meltdown of Man United because they finished second last year on 81 points and at the moment they're in sixth with 66. So that's why we're in the top four. Um, you know, I mean, that does sound a bit disingenuous, but uh, I think that's the real real picture, Jonathan, don't you? Well, yeah. Um, um, as I said, uh, um, it was a kind of blip the other way, wasn't it, with Solskjaer coming in and allowing them supposedly to express themselves when uh, they've all gone back to discussing in the media about how... Um, um, it's rotten to the core, and they all need to be sold, which is what they were saying under Mourinho. So uh, um, uh, I don't know. I don't know what uh, you wonder what happens at clubs like that. In the same way, one, what we never find out. We're not finding out what's happening at Chelsea, are we? Mm. We're, it's, we're all surmising. But um, but Spurs, despite their excellence, was it, it, it's a it's a constant story of of a lack of success. So to some extent, I don't know why we're surprised something always seems to happen i think it's a in, and with us as well the chances are we'll win the the europa league and and yet we'll have said what a dreadful season it is it's somehow in in the dna of the club the clubs get used to winning things mm. and uh spurs just can't win anything so no, i think it's a good point jk i mean the the whole thing there are you know four trophies you can win every year yeah, you know, you're in one European competition or the other, okay, and you've got a League Cup, an FA Cup, and a Premier League. In the last two years, we won a league, we won an FA Cup, and we could win a Europa League this year. Now, back in the 70s, I'm, this is no word of a lie, when we won the FA Cup the year I started supporting Chelsea as a young boy... Glory Hunter. I, yes, absolutely, in <laughs> 1970, <laughs> eh? um, uh, with that magnificent <laughs> team. And then I think the year after, we went on to beat Real Madrid in the European Cup Winners' Cup. And I think there was two days between the games. You know, we drew the first game and then the second game was two days later or something. It was like, to me, to me as a young kid, that was glory beyond anything. You know, glory beyond anything. We'd won a European trophy. And, And as kids then, you didn't really know the differentiation between the European Cup, the Fairs Cup, the Cup Winners' Cup or whatever. You didn't know any of that and you didn't care. Real Madrid were the team you just beaten. And I think there's this, uh, and, and I will say it, um, it's only in recent years, and I, I will say this, since we won the Europa League under Benitez, that any of the other English teams have taken the competition seriously. Mm, I think that's a very, very good point. I mean, the final thing I'll say about that, I mean, I know we, we're, maybe we're sounding a little disingenuous here, because, I mean, you know, the reality is what, what whatever we think is is immaterial. You know, ultimately it'll be what the board think and I suspect that you know final of the Caribou Cup let's hope we win the Europa League you know but let you know either way it's not been a bad run there even if it's a bit of a Mickey Mouse tournament and third or fourth in the league you know third or fourth in the league is meeting uh, the club's objectives I think for the manager as we all know I mean the only other thing I would say you know, comp- I mean Dean says we can't compare seasons well of course you can why can't you compare seasons that's Surely nonsense, mate. But the reality is, last season, uh, you know, Conte chucked it in in January. I mean, they were brilliant for the first half of the season, and then they chucked it in in the second. Now, Sarri's start was brilliant, one of the best we've ever had, uh, and then it kind of got progressively worse, and it seems to be riddled with problems. And I'm kind of with you on this, Tony. I, I have to be honest, mate, I've seen a bit of marginal improvement, you know, in the last few games, but on the whole... 
I haven't really seen an improvement. And I think it's really difficult to know whether that's down to the manager. Ultimately, he takes the responsibility or whether it's down to the players. It's a really hard one to mm. fathom out. But, the, but Joe, the key question is, you know, we are in the Champions League. Um, and I, I, I'm going to ask you, I mean, how important is it for Chelsea to be in the Champions League? Or, or will it just paper over the cracks that we know are there? I mean, it, it all depends how the club use, use this in the summer. I mean, assuming that we can sort of circumnavigate this transfer ban, it could be huge. You know, we are, I don't know, four four big players away, which I think, you know, given the amount of sales we could possibly make in the summer, it is not out of the realms of possibility that we can sign four very good players. But if the club used that as a springboard to attract some top talent to the club, then it's incredibly important, not just from a financial perspective, but it's, you know, it's the competition that every every player wants to, to play in. You know, this Nicola, Nicola Pepe guy that everyone is after, um, currently playing in France, has said, you know, I'm only leaving for for a Champions League club, and and that is is probably sort of the level of talent that we're potentially gonna gonna be able to sort of look to compete for. So when you're looking at players that are maybe you know going to come and improve the side, it's really guys who want to play in the Champions League. So just from that that perspective alone, it's it's an enormous thing for the club because I don't think we're like United who have got this sort of this, this massive name and this huge amount of money behind them to just attract players regardless of what competition they're in. I think that. The Champions League is, is a huge kind of additional kudos for the club. And I think it, it's needed. And, and again, you know, you look at sort of the Champions League this season, you know, with, with some smart additions, it's not out of the realm of possibility that Chelsea can, can make a decent run at it. You know, I think, again, you know, if the club then have another sort of summer of, of umming and ahhing about players and getting fourth and fifth choices in and not really sort of going all out for it, then, you know, you're just going to become one of these clubs who makes up the numbers. And, and that's always my biggest fear is that we just, we kind of turn into... Oh, Arsenal. As, as, yeah, exactly. You know, as, as as Tony always says, you know, the Arsenalification of, of Chelsea, where it's, you know, top four is is the ambition and just sort of, you know, making up the numbers in, in the European Cup. So I'm hoping that, you know, that there seems to be sort of two routes here. We kind of use it and just go for it. Um, or we just, we're happy with the money and we're happy to kind of maintain the status quo and, and try and have a bit of a dabble at at some players that that may be in that sort of 40, 50 million pound bracket, maybe come in and maybe they work out, maybe they don't. But it, it's all, it all for me depends on, on how the club attack, attack this summer. If they use it to attack it properly and, and go aggressive with it and, and try and make the most of it, I think it could be the the thing that springboards the club into sort of a new new generation, a new era under Roman. But, you know, I'm, I'm being positive there, but it, it does reflect on the, the club having that kind of footballing kind of nouse, which we haven't seen them have for maybe the past sort of three, four seasons. They need to create a, med- med- a medicine chest, a, a, a treasure chest, don't they, really? By, you need a medicine chest, I need mate. a medicine chest, <laughs> things are at the moment. I need a false leg, I tell you. Um, a third leg. Because um, if they sell Bakshwai, Bakayoko, Maratta and and some of the low knees, um, and then he puts some money in as well, uh, they could have an excess of 250, and Hazard, of course, excess of 250, 270 yeah. million. Exactly. Which, yeah. which, if then spelt, spent very wisely, because we're in the Champions League, is a big positive for the club. But yeah. what, it's that, that whether they have the right people to do it, to be yeah. able to, you know, are they looking at people? What, are they, are they, are they've got people in their sights? I know Sarri recently said um, that he had a, 
a striker that he was very keen on on getting for next season. This, presuming that he stays next season, and that they and they're interested in what he has to say because his previous striker that he wanted to get was, of course, was Higuain. Well, uh, I think on that basis, he shouldn't be allowed anywhere near transfers <laughs> or recruitment. <laughs> anywhere near the player room or recruitment, because <laughs> he's clearly got no judgment. I mean, that's the problem. I mean, if, from what we've understood so far. What he wants to do is to just transfer everybody who was at his bloody Napoli side. Anyway, the thing is, we don't know what's going to happen yet because we don't know about the transfer ban. We don't know if the board have got the ability to do the very sensible things that we've been suggesting all season. And I think, you know, we'll 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 wait for the, the final analysis of Sarri and how well he's done until we finish the season, which will either be next Monday's show or hopefully the one after the 29th of May. We shall see. Now, for somebody at Chelsea, it is definitely over. And uh, I think this is another poor indictment upon Sarri's management, really. But uh, it was delightful to see uh, Gary Cahill get all of one minute, uh, thanks to Sarri magnanimously allowing him to play one minute. Why he couldn't have brought him on sooner, I do not know, at 3-0 up. But anyway... Gary Cahill, quite rightly, got an absolutely superb uh, reception and ovation when he came on. Uh, In fact, he was getting one well before he came on because we all saw him warming up. And I just thought, in a sense, it kind of amplified the huge distance between, you know, a lot of people, a lot of so-called Chelsea fans on Twitter and, you know, the Yadar alcoholics, sorry, matchgoers, who basically, you know, get it. You know, they get they get why Gary Cahill's important. I mean, let's, let me just read you these stats for those of you who might have forgotten. Uh, Gary Cahill made 289 appearances for Chelsea. He scored 25 goals, 7 assists, and this is what he won. The Champions League in 2012, Europa Cup in 2013, two Premier League titles in 2015 and 17, two FA Cups in 2012-2018, and a League Cup in 2015. And he captained Chelsea 81 times. He won 61 England caps, scored five goals for England, and he captained England for five times. So, you know, frankly, I think he deserves a bit of respect. Um, you know, who, who am I to judge whether he's a legend at Chelsea or not? I'm probably not really. But, you know, some would say he is. I think what he's won deserves that. And the fact that he captained the club, you know, yes. very, very well. So um, he got a bit of stick for... Uh, hang on a minute, Tony. He got a bit of stick for hammering Sarri in in his Telegraph interview with Matt Law. And then I saw some of the comments to Matt Law's piece on Twitter and I was just astonished. I think he was well within his rights, Tony, don't you? Absolutely. I've said it for some time now that the treatment he meted out to, uh, the Sarri meted out to Cahill, is up there with what Benitez tried to do with JT um, and Frank Lampard and, and, and the way we've seen other players sidelined at Chelsea. And, and we, we, we've never covered ourselves in glory sometimes. Like Hang on a minute. I've got, I've got to read this absolute load of arse gravy out. Babatunde, you're a lovely bloke, but this is just nonsense. So let's go get Drogba back too, as he has nice stats too. He can't play in this simple system. Simple. Let it go, guys. That has got fuck all to do with what I've just said. Absolutely. Uh, I was uh, barely pointing out the fact that he's been a great servant to this club. I agree. He's probably not good enough for the first team. It's got nothing to do with that. He deserves some respect for what he's given to the club. That simple. All right. 
Sorry, Tony, well, go no, on. No, no, well said, Blimey. I'm not even going to bother. bother uh, granted, listen, Sarri's treatment of him has been bad. Um, and I thought his Telegraph interview was quite revealing, unwittingly so, I think, in parts. Um, like We used to call it unwitting testimony when I did my degree uh, because it's basically what you haven't sort of said, really. Um, there's some interesting stuff in there about um, the way he's treated some players. We've known for some time, the rumours are that his man management skills aren't particularly good with, with, with all of the players. Um, we know that he's also possibly the least engaged uh, coach or manager with the fans ever. Okay. And there seems to be absolutely zero between him and the fans. And I always think that's an important part of the job. And Gary Cahill, um, didn't he win all of those in a record amount of time as well? Isn't that yeah. something else? I mean, quickest no ever. one is. Yeah, quickest ever. Now, you don't fluke 61 England caps, five goals. You don't fluke all of those competitions. You don't fluke those winners' medals. You don't fluke being captain of Chelsea. Now, I think it was a couple of years ago under Conti in his first season and there was a complete howler by Cahill. I can't remember who it was by, but it was in front of us, Chidge, down our end. Uh, might have been Liverpool, I can't remember now. An absolute howler. And he's he looked absolutely distraught. And you thought, oh my God, how's he going to come back from that? And he did. And he came back even stronger. He's never bad-mouthed the club. Uh, his telegraph it was completely fair because if he's on his way out, he's entitled to say this. And I'm bloody glad he has said it and stood up and said, I was treated badly. And I, I think other players are probably thinking the same. You saw the affection from the other players towards him. You saw the affection from the fans. There are a, a number of keyboard warriors out there on Twitter who just really need to look and say to themselves, OK, I'm not saying he's good enough now, but he has been good enough in all the time he's been with us, and other clubs would have snapped him up and we'd have been thinking we and missed they out will, on that one. will snap him up. You still they have will. They five will. years, yeah. Yes, I think he's so. A, he's, a, he's, a, he's a legend. He has the right to be a legend for yes. the club with, with that. That is a legend. Let those, that is a legend stats. Quite phenomenal. Yes, indeed. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, Dean, who, Dean Mears, who appears to be my nemesis at times, is saying, you know, he's club captain, he should have kept his mouth shut. Why? I don't, I don't. Why should he keep his mouth shut? He's on his way out. He's just played his last game for Chelsea. A minute, a pa- rather patronising. Now, did any of you see the video? Uh, well, it was on Twitter, which is the moment that Sarri let him on. If there was ever a, 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 an image or a moment that captured the fact that Cahill completely blanked him, it was almost like you. I don't fucking listen. I'm only going on for two minutes. Um, and he it gave was him a hug though. He gave him a hug though. After the game, was it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I, you know, I think Cahill is, look, he's polite. You know, if you, if you are, if you're using the word role model, you would point to someone like Gary Cahill, wouldn't you? You would point and say, there's a man with honour. He's never bad mouthed the club. He's not a bad, um, uh, 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 he's not a dirty footballer. Uh, I'm sure he's had the old red card and, and, and yellow card here, but not through malice. Not, he's not that sort of player. Uh, when you listen to him, he's intelligent. He thinks out what he's going to say. He's very humble. And I just think, you know, in, in, a, in an age where you've got players biting other players' ears and diving, swan diving to get free kicks to win your games and all this sort of stuff, Gary Cahill is a role model. He's an absolute role model. He deserves respect. Um, and even if he's not up there with John Terry, he's up there with some of the best defenders we've had. I just think, just to, to round that up, actually, you know, um, 
look, I, I agree to a, as I said, to a certain extent. You know, his best days were, were undoubtedly behind him. Um, this he can't play in the system is errant nonsense because we've never played Sarri system all season because either half the players don't want to play it and the other players can't play it. Yeah, exactly. So that's a spurious, nonsensical argument. Uh, but there, but I just think it's a gross mismanagement of resources. Yeah. You know, I, I've run companies, okay? Tony's worked in big companies. Joe works in a big company. And Jonathan's a Lauren to himself, so it doesn't really count. <laughs> but but the reality is, is that, you know, you have your, your job is to manage the people that you have under you and manage those resources, you know, to, so, so it works for the best for the company. Now, you know, you can't just get rid of people because you fancy it. Because we have things... Well, I mean, I know it's different in football, but, I mean, you know, if I don't like somebody because I think they're shit, I have to try and find a way to get the best out of them even if they are shit. Because I can't just say, I'm not going to use you, just sit in the corner and don't do anything and still get paid. Yeah. So I think it's, it's, just, it's just diabolical management to just go, I've got these 14 players, and if I don't like you, that's it. And he has a track record of doing this. So, I, I mean, over and above the fact that I think it's you know, a bit of disrespect to, to uh, you know, a great servant for the club. I just think it's poor management, period. Anyway, let's move on before I explode and Babatunde never listens to us again, because I would hate for that to happen. Uh, there's no animosity there, really, but I just flipped my lid because I was cross about what I'd seen. Anyway. <laughs> quickly on Cahill. Yes, Joe. I mean, three, three very, very quick points on Cahill. One, he costs £7 million. Pounds. I mean, the, the amount of mileage that we have got out of him for £7 million is absolutely astronomical when you think about what he's achieved at the club. It's like an Aspilicueta, it's like a Lampard-type deal in terms of what we spend on him. The other two things as well, and, and, and these are sort of my caveats when I come to judging players historically, he played on one leg in Munich with, with David Luiz, where he basically couldn't run. But I, I think I remember hearing Lampard say in an interview that Cahill didn't train, basically he just turned up and played the game in Munich. That, that for one thing, should give him a kind of level of respect. And then the, the season after that, Yes, Ivanovic gets the glory for scoring the winning header, but then that tackle that Cahill makes at the death wins us the, the Europa League the following season. I mean, I mean, those three things by themselves, let alone everything else that he won, let alone, you know, everything else. He might be one of Chelsea's greatest overachievers. You know, he was probably bought to be a squad player. Mm. He's gone on to achieve at their club. I mean, he and again, you know, he's been central to, to title wins. You know, he's been central to winning a Champions League, to winning the Europa League. I mean, the, the fact that people are are being dismissive of that, for me, is, is mind-boggling. But again, going back to the main point, £7 million. I mean, again, you know, the mileage out of him is, is, is just astronomical. It's mind-boggling that we've got so much out of the player. But also, but also he, he, he was good enough to play regularly for England. Yeah, you know, that, exactly, that, yeah. that speaks volumes, you know. So Anyway, let's move on from Gary Cahill. Uh, because it's very possibly, and, and you know, I was mindful of this watching the game, actually, as Tony will, will tell you in a minute. But, it, you know, it's very possibly Hazard's last uh, Premier League home game because I, I know that they're, they're playing at home on Thursday in the Europa League. Sadly, I can't be there. Uh, because I will be at the Football Blogging Awards, which inconveniently has been scheduled when Chelsea are playing at home. Thanks, guys. But uh, So I'm kind of thinking that might be the last time I see Hazard play for Chelsea in the flesh, which for me personally is a huge, huge shame. And I think with 15 assists and 19 goals this season, he's done pretty much, well, he's pretty much got us in the top four on his own, which I think is a, is a lovely legacy uh, 
to, for, for the club, really. Massive shame he didn't score yesterday, Tony, uh, on, on Sunday, Tony, because I, I obviously, as you know, I really wanted him to. Well, yes, and I did as well. And actually, there was a couple of times when we thought he had. Yeah. Uh, but let's, you know, let, let, let's not forget the first goal came from the fact that he shot and um, uh, the Watford keeper turned it, uh, was it Ben Foster turned it wide? Um, he it was also the assist for the second goal. Uh, he pushed one that uh, Foster had to stick into the side netting at the end. Um, I'll say it now, and I know lots of people on Twitter will go absolutely mental. I've watched Chelsea since 1970. I think Hazard is the best player I've ever seen in a Chelsea shirt, ever. Mm. I think he's the most talented I've seen. Uh, I, I don't think he's the best because I think that has a much broader uh, kind of spectrum in terms of what you expect. But I think he's the most skillful player I've ever seen at Stamford Bridge. We're going to really miss him, Jonathan, aren't we? Yes, enormously. And as always, um, I haven't appreciated him enough with every player who is great. I never appreciated Frank Lampard enough. I never. You always miss them after they're gone. Um, this you is just true. want to relish them. You're watching them for 90 minutes at a time. And you. it's difficult to look at them and think... This is a great player. I've got to. I've got to love every moment, and it's only when this kind of thing happens that you then think, "Oh God, he was wonderful." But you also you want him to play as marvelously. In some games, he's been extra special, and you want him to play. The little child in you wants him to play as well as that every game, and of course he doesn't. He contributes in other games and has been terrific, um, despite being the star. Um, um, not not been the star in the game, but he's still he still has bursts of genius. Um, and I feel the you know age has given me the privilege of having seen uh, a great number of uh, of terrific players. And in terms of actually beating players, um, uh, Charlie Cook was a great one at being able yeah. to take players on and just dribble round yeah. with his pace. But for me, Hazard is the best. Dribble, as was Nevin. Nevin was a genius with that as well. And I was so upset when he went to Everton. I've never actually forgiven him for that, for leaving. But obviously he had to go because the, the finances were then. The team wasn't good enough. But um, uh, there's a little bit of me that is um, uh, annoyed with him, uh, the kid again, that he's leaving if he does go, uh, which is immensely likely, just because... Why? Why, mate? He's done seven years. That's I more want him, though, really... forever, Chidge. I know, but, you I know... I want him I think... forever. He's still young enough. I still... I, I'm like... I want to have him in the side all the time. I want to I know, to see but him. Jonathan, Jonathan, Jonathan... Se- I mean, seven I'm years... I'm being a child. I'm being a I child, Chidge. But seven years is, is more than I expected we'd see of him, given how sought after he was when he joined. Well, we and should given, have given, the team around him, Chidge. Yeah, we I, well, I agree. I think we've screwed up royally, and I think we've let him down, you know? We've yes. never... We we were probably once did we genuinely compete uh, in the Champions League. That was the year we got knocked out in the semi final. Semi final, yes. Yeah, but frankly, I think that 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 we got to the semi final more through Mourinho's belligerent management than than any real you know deserving to be there. So I think we let him down, Joe. Um, how, you know what's his legacy going to be for Chelsea? I think actually, I mean, just in the broader context of football and how people watch football today. He's he's one of the only footballers that you don't have to open a Microsoft Excel spreadsheet to, to know that he's a great player. You know, you look at all of these people spend ages debating stats and goals and assists and you know expected goals and minutes per goal. I mean, he's one of the few players on the planet that you just watch him and you go, this guy is absolutely tremendous. You've got him, you've got Messi, you've got 
probably Neymar at his peak and maybe someone like Mbappe. There's, there's like a handful of players that you don't have to go to a, a stats website to kind of prove your point when you're looking at him. I think maybe that's his, his legacy, is that he is just an objectively sort of world-class player. In terms of how he's remembered, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with, with Jonathan. I think because, because his highs have been so high, you know, you, you've kind of maybe wanted him to be touching that sort of level more often. I mean, I, I think it's very difficult to be at that level, even for someone like Messi and, and Ronaldo and those players. I have to agree that we, we haven't necessarily thrown, you know, the amount of players, I think, at him in terms of surrounding him with quality that, that maybe we should have in, in the past. But I think, in, I, I, for me, I, th- I think he, he leaves as, a, you know, one of, one of Chelsea's greatest ever players. I think I agree with Tony. I think he's maybe maybe not the best for you know for kind of moments and, and finals and stuff like that. But in terms of, of sheer talent and ability and sort of joy that he's kind of brought from watching him, he, he's in he's definitely in, in in the top three for me. And you know if he goes to Madrid, you know I obviously I think he'll be a player that a lot of Chelsea fans will wish well and hopefully he does he does well there. Um, but I just think in, in general, you know he he's been this season and I think some seasons that we've had, you know, he's been the kind of light in, in, in some quite dour moments that we've had, you know. And again, you know, looking at his legacy this season, I think Jamie Carragher summed up really nicely when he looked at that goal he scored against West Ham. He's the only player in the Premier League that could do that. You know, you've got all these fantastic players who are great at passing and, and you know, Salah is a great goal scorer and so is Harry Kane, but Haz is the only one who's going to dribble around seven players and then slot it in the bottom corner. He's a unique talent and I think, you know, we appreciate him now, but I think we will massively, massively miss him um, you know, he's going to be incredibly hard to replace, not just from a from a, from an output standpoint in terms of his goals and assists, but just in terms of his overall play. You know, he's a magnet for fouls. He's a magnet for, for, for attention. And the fact that he just gets kicked all game, doesn't make a fuss. He's not rolling around on the ground, right, right. you know, leaving Precisely. the game with bloodied ankles. You know, he, he's a proper player, you know. And I think that the fact that, you know, a lot of Chelsea greats, Lampard and, and, and Terry, you know, wax lyrically about him as, as a person, as a player. I think that also says a lot about him. It's just, just as a as a person. So, yeah, I think we're going to miss him massively and he will be immensely, immensely difficult to to replace. Well, I'd, I'd say I'd say he's irreplaceable, actually, because yeah, I think I you're agree. right. I think he is unique. Uh, so there we go. Very sad yeah. uh, end of the chapter. Although, you know, latest news says that uh, good old Marina is is uh, not budging from 100 million and uh, Real Madrid are, are getting pissy about it. So it ain't done yet. Although I suspect what will happen if she digs her, her her considerably high heels into uh, the uh, ground, then <laughs> then uh, then I suspect Hazard will put in a transfer request and then that will be that. But we shall see. Watch this space. Right, I'm going to not bother talking about the next bit about who else is leaving because we've got ages to do that over the summer. Um, so let's not. And we've been rabbiting on and I'm mindful of the time. Um, I just really wanted to talk a little bit about, um, you know, my experience at Stamford Bridge on Sunday because... I've had a very weird old season because what with, you know, doing a lot of work for Love Sport Radio at the weekend and uh, thanks to the Europa League, a lot of Chelsea's matches being on a Sunday. um, That means that, you know, invariably I've had to drive home on a Sunday because I have to be in Hampshire on a Monday morning, uh, you know, and that means I have to drive, which means I don't get pissed because I can't. I mean, trains on a Sunday in this country are just you just don't do it, basically. Um, So I've had a bit of a weird old season. Uh, in terms of that uh, but of course it was on a Sunday this week and of course it was a holiday a bank holiday on the Monday so I thought oh jolly good I'll, uh, I'll I'll have a nice day in the pub doing what I like to do meeting lots of people and and I have to say I had an absolutely superb day all around it was great to pop into the CFC UK stall bump into Marco and Dave and Jason all chuckles and uh, then go to the cock pub 
uh, where I met the lovely Jonathan Sharp uh, from uh, Chicago Blues. And I'm sorry, Jonathan, we hardly had a chat in the cock. I bought you a pint and then, then we never really talked, which is a great shame. I saw Yannick, Yannick on Chelsea, uh, Freddie, I drink vodka from Sweden. <laughs> uh, who we love to pieces. Freddie's probably in here listening somewhere. Anyway, Rick Glanville, of course, Chelsea historian. Nice chat with him. Ollie Glanville. Of course, I saw the usual the usual Chelsea fan cast suspects. Tony, of course, Martin, yeah. Pablo, Nicole, Ken, Kunal, Nick Stroudley. Uh, I also met Paul Hanlon, who's Buzzcock Blues on uh, on Twitter, who I've never met before, and I really, was really delighted to meet him. But I have to say uh, that the person that I was just absolutely delighted to see in the pub, which is probably why I didn't speak to anybody else, for which I apologise. But that's the wonderful, wonderful Mark Barfoot uh, from Hastings Blues. Uh, Mark's quite often in Mixler, uh, uh, you know, when we do our shows. And I, I've had the privilege and pleasure of knowing him for oh, quite a few years now. He's been a loyal supporter of what we do for a, a long time. And as people, so there are those who, who know and they'll know that he's having a really tough time at the moment. So it was lovely to be able to see him uh, uh, you know, and just say hello. So there you go. Mark, if you're listening, love you to pieces, mate. Great to see you. Um, and, of course, it got better, of course, as it does throughout the day. I mean, I saw John in Gate 17, and then I sat with Tone, tone for a moan. Yeah. Or a moan with Tone, didn't I? You did. Well, with the Tonies, because, of course, you had the yeah. other, on the other side. <laughs> exactly. you didn't have much to moan about. <laughs> no, well, it all changed, didn't it? But that's beautiful. Where else can you do that? Just like, yeah. you know, oh, I've seen my mate. There's nobody sitting next to him. I'm just going to move around. It's lovely. And then I went to the Copthorne afterwards. I bumped into Barnett, Neil Barnett, Spy, uh, the wonderful GG5, the legend of Twitter, and the lovely Kaza. I even Cundy. Bumped into Cundy. Uh, and then I went off to the Atlas and saw the rest of the reprobates. So, you know, Pete, uh, Pete, the lovely Chelsea, uh, you know, Chelsea fella. Yeah. Uh, Kenny Rice, nice guy, Kenny Becker, Franny, Julio, and Martin again. So I just had a, a brilliant day. And the bottom line is, you know, what, what, what it made me think of on the way home. I was quite pissed, actually, by the time I got home. So I was feeling quite reflective. Uh, or was it was it socially relaxed, as Tony likes to say? But it it just dawned on me that it's completely different from the experience of following Chelsea on Twitter because there was there was you know throughout the whole day no bitching, no name calling or abuse, no childish and petulant disagreements, no hating on players or calling supporters yadars and alcoholics. It was just you know loads of people who enjoy following their team, have an occasional moan about the team, enjoy the victories and delight in each other's company before, during and after. And I just thought, well, that is exactly what it's supposed to be like and I mean rather than being a bit yabu sucks about it I actually thought how sad I I feel very sorry if you your only experience of Chelsea is following Chelsea via the echo chamber of social media yes because it's it's about as far removed from what it's like to actually go to the games as the difference between having sex with a woman or watching porn correct it's just completely different and and as I said I I I realized how how lucky and how privileged I am and and all of you lot, yeah, uh, you know, because that that's what the experience is about, and uh, we are very lucky, we're very privileged, and uh, as I said, for those of you who can't do that week in week out, um, I think that's that's it's very sad. I have I, to say, I, I, I'll say this, and I've said it, I think I've said this to you before, but everybody I know at that ground, inside, apart from the two guys, Attilio and Tony, that I sit, you know, and the people in the vicinity where I sit, but everybody in the cock in the Atlas, everyone that I meet outside the stall, I've met through Twitter. Right. So it's been a fan. It's, it, it, as a dating agency for Chelsea fans to meet like minded people, it's been fantastic. And those people, even when I've disagreed with them on Twitter, have been lovely people in, you know, where they meet you, 
uh, we've had occasions in the in the cockchid where we've had to introduce ourselves by our, you know, oh, you're Grocer Jack, yeah, my name's Tony. <laughs> yeah, all right. Okay, because, you know, you introduce yourself by your Twitter handle and everything else. And I think there's a, a lovely point. I, I met Tim, Tim Rolls, uh, outside, on, you know, by the stall, and he's, a, he's just had a three-month Twitter um, break, as it were, yeah. Uh, and I said, was it like, and all this, and he said it was lovely. It was almost, you know, he felt his soul had been cleansed. And he said the point, that you know that for him where he basically said i've got to get out of this for a little while was when somebody had raised uh and, and retweeted an eight year old tweet from andy saunders right in order to justify a point okay and it goes back to what i said to you the ricky gervais thing which is you know what is the point in trying to become a better person if all you're going to do is have things that you did and said 10 years ago thrown back at you yeah because you know we we're none of us the same people we were ten years ago. None of us, and you you move on from that. And I think that gets lost in Twitter. You know, it's this. Well, it's what about me, isn't it? It's, well, what about what you said five years ago? Fucking hell, that's five years ago. You know, I don't remember what I said five seconds ago. Sometimes, um, and the whole thing when he said like you met Becker and people like that in the cock, and it was just great. It's just lovely. You walk in, and I'll say this, and it sounds a bit sentimental. But do you remember the program Cheers? You want to go where everybody knows your name. Mm. And I walk in the cock and it can sometimes take me 10 minutes to get to that garden because it's, hello, mate. Hello, how are you doing? You know, it's that. That, that's, that, is, that alone is worth the 890 quid season ticket fee just for that, you know, sheer joy of having people to talk to and, 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 and people that you can consider as friends. I mean, it, it's remarkable, actually, and I, I think you know what I'm, I'm not. I mean, Baba seems to think I'm I'm being all kind of xenophobic for some reason. Uh, yeah, I, maybe I need to, you know, practice English being my first language. But you know, I'm I'm really not trying to say that at all. What I'm trying to say is that Twitter this season for Chelsea supporters has been an incredibly divisive and very unfriendly and abusive place. And yet, when you go to the match and you do the the proper kind of before, during, and after. It, you couldn't find a more convivial and friendly place. Everybody is welcoming. Everybody is friendly. It's not, there is no division. Everybody just gets yes. on and has a great time and enjoys being with each other and having a, a good day, whether we win, lose or draw. Yeah. So it's it's completely removed from the experience that we've had this season on Twitter. And I think I think that's the point I'm really trying to make. Yeah. Uh, Joe, Jonathan, got anything to add? Um. It's uh, it's tricky for me as um, uh, I don't really drink very much, so um, I tend to uh, come along and just try and say hello to as many people as possible. Um, but the um, the camaraderie of the uh, of the booze is something that I don't uh, I don't mean in a pejorative sense booze. I mean of that that kind of mixing is just something that um, uh, I don't do. And also weirdly because I sit in the the uh, um, the stand. It's um, it, it, I've got a group of mates provided who I've been sitting with in the same area, um, and we just you know you go after the game and you sit there with them and they're the same people for thirty years. So um, I, I'm I'm slightly jealous of the fact that you're you have such a good bunch of people that I really must make a big attempt to, to know better, and uh, I feel slightly ashamed at not doing it because oh, so you, many you, you... so many of them are on are on Mixler and I should come and say hello. Yeah, much, but much they much do much. love you to pieces, mate. But, I mean, I, I, you, you know, you you have a different experience of, than us, which for which you pay a huge amount of money. But, you know, the reality is is that you, you have made an effort this year. You've popped into the cock more times this season than or and the Atlas, I think, than, than, you, ever, yeah, yeah. Yeah, than you ever have. And, yeah. I mean, 
But I mean, you know, I'm sure Joe. I mean, it'd be interesting to hear what Joe has to say because, of course, he's missed out on this this year because, of course, he's you know not not around at the moment. But uh, <laughs> I mean, Joe, what would you have to say about that? Yeah, it's for me. It's been a weird experience because I mean, I've been a, a season ticket holder for 20, 20 years of my life, and obviously moving to, to Copenhagen, it's meant that, that watching Chelsea now is. It's becoming more of a of a treat than sort of a weekly thing, and and you know you you really do miss that that day you know that kind of daily experience. And we were talking a bit before we went on there. I, I was very fortunate that a, a good friend of mine, Lars, who I work with, who actually listens to the podcast, and obviously will be delighted that I've given him a shout out. But he um, <laughs> he took me to the the FC Copenhagen versus Bromby game, which is is the big Copenhagen derby. And and it, although I'm, I'm kind of getting sort of uh, you know a, a bit of an attachment to Copenhagen, they're sort of a team that I'll, I'll follow in Denmark. You know. Having that kind of day experience of sort of you know going for a few beers beforehand, meeting up with his friends, sort of sitting in the in the ultra stand, going out afterwards, you know that's like a you know a ten percent feeling of of what you get going to Chelsea game, and I've I've missed that kind of buzz. I'm, you miss the sort of the camaraderie that you get. Um, it, it's a unique experience, and you know I said as, as someone who who has often you know witnessed last minute winners and, and just you know been thrown down four or five flights of of, of seats, you know hugging random people. Now that that experience doesn't equate to me sitting in my in my living room celebrating it, you know, watching it on the television. And you know, I think it is. You know, it, it's not it, it's not a xenophobic comment. It's not a comment about people who don't go to games. It, it is to me a, a point as someone who has experienced it in in both senses that it is a different way of following and supporting the team, different way of experiencing the the kind of the, you know the sort of the feeling of Chelsea. And I, and I do think that's why there are divisions on social media because when you attend games, it's a different feeling. I think it's often why. You know, people who have been to games when Marcus Alonso has been playing, why he's got such an affinity with the fans, you know, goals against Tottenham, that sort of stuff, versus people who just analyse him from watching him on the television, which is, for me, you know, it's probably why I'm not so into him as a, as a player, because I've often seen him on the television. So it's it's a really unique experience. I think actually a really interesting way of, of breaking things down. But, you know, from, from what you're saying, as I said, the kind of the, the, the camaraderie, the day, the sort of the meeting of, of, of people that you've known for, for 10, 15 years. I mean, you've kind of been in positions where, you know, you've sat next to someone for five years in the ground. You might not even know their name. You just know them by their yeah, by yeah. their face. And, you know, you, you obviously you've got kind of go mental when you score. So it, it is a bit of a unique relationship. And I think, again, as someone who has kind of moved away from that, that that's something that I do really, really miss about, about not going to football. It's just the sort of the, you know, it's kind of the, the you know, the, the bits or the sort of intangible stuff around them, actually the, the thing that kind of knits Chelsea supporters together. And, you know, until you go, until you experience it, you know, it, again, it's not a, it's not a dig at people. It's not, it's not saying, haha, you know, these people are going to games, they're fortunate, etc. It's just a fact of, of following it in different ways. It is indeed, and uh, I, I would, I just like to say, you know, if you do, people will know this. People who've listened to this show, people in Mixler now, who've heard this show and have got out to a game and have come to meet us in the pub, they will know exactly how welcoming it is you know we we welcome everybody and absolutely love it when we meet people that have heard the show uh wherever they're from you know and a lot of them have come from all over the world it's that i mean you know baba even if you came into the cock on a on a match day we would welcome you with open arms i can assure you uh so there you go and i'd just like to say uh, before we move on to part three uh that when i said um you know that it, it, it it's you know, what, watching Chelsea via the echo chamber of social media is as far removed from what it's like to actually go to the games as the difference between having, I said, having sex with a woman 
or watching porn. Of course, it could be having sex with a man. I just want to make that clear that I'm not sexist here. It could be woman or man or whatever your preference may be. So there we go. Just to wrap that up. Um, anyway, in, uh, in part three... Think, Chidge, I did think you were being a bit homophobic, I have to admit. Well, exactly. I just wanted to make that clear. You know, uh, we're, we're, we're open-minded on the Chelsea fancast, if nothing else. Um, right, now, part three. Uh, we're going to look back at last Thursday's Europa uh, League semi-final. First leg away to Eintracht Frankfurt and uh, look ahead to this week's second leg on Thursday. And as I said, with Rudiger and Kante out and Frankfurt expecting two of their best players back, they could be a very different challenge for Chelsea. So is 1-0 enough or will we have our work cut out to make it to the final? All will be revealed. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there, and it's not on TV. Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boy's life. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all... No more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. (laughs) Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Right, welcome back. This is uh, the Chelsea Fancast. I'm Stamford Chidge, and I've got the wonderful Jonathan Kidd on the show tonight. And uh, joined by Tony Glover and the absolute legend that is Joe Tweedy. So there you go. Right. Um... What are we going to talk about now? Well, that's quite easy, really. Um, I thought a really interesting match uh, last uh, last week, uh, follow against Frankfurt, I should say, over in Frankfurt. Um, very intriguing. I mean, a bit. We we kind of seen this pattern before, but I mean, you know, Frankfurt came out of the blocks, and I thought looked really good, and they were. I mean, they were absolutely tore us to pieces. I thought, and we did really, really well uh, to you know to get in. You know, to to not concede a lot of goals, it has to be said. 
Um, of course, the first thing was that, uh, you know, Sari decided not to pick Hazard to the absolute consternation of everybody. Uh, everybody. I, I didn't see... I mean, okay, there were a couple of uh, apologists saying, you know, it made sense because we had Watford on Sunday. But you can't drop... Your, I mean, my point was this. You know, would Barcelona not play Messi in the first leg of a European semi-final? Correct. The answer to that is no, no, of course they wouldn't. But having said all of that, I mean, you know, the gamble paid off. Uh, Frankfurt ran out of gas. Uh, as I said, as I almost said on the Love Sports show, just like the Battle of the Bulge, uh, the Germans ran out of gas. Uh, but there you go. Um, but you didn't, Chidge, did you? Well, I didn't because I thought after your shirtlifter comment that apparently did apparently did not get dumped. By the way, it went on air. I thought I better be careful about my kind of German references. So I kept that one and the, uh, you know, I, I, that's the kind of kit that they would have been playing in, in the 1930s. I thought I'd keep that one under wraps you, as well. But you notice they actually, tr- they actually did the training session in that dreadful shirt holder kit. They did it. Yeah. They actually yeah. played in it. The one that was designed by committee or whatever it was, the competition they had with the orange in it, with the orange supposed to be for Drogba's um, Ivory Coast, that one that will never be seen again other than yeah. worn before matches so that they sell it abroad. I mean, absolutely bizarre. Bizarre that what, what they're doing with these kits is beyond me at the moment. But anyway. Well, they're being designed by kids, mate, or people who are blind. I'm not quite sure which, you know, but they're pretty... Uh, I mean, just... just I, Words fail me. What what can I say? But anyway, look, the, the reality is, is that, um, you know, we ended up uh, drawing one all. Uh and I, I think the intriguing thing for me is, is it a good result or not? I mean, obviously, we've got an away goal. Uh, and 1-1 was a, was a classic old uh, Mourinho European scoreline, wasn't it, Joe? But we're not managed by Mourinho now. I, I don't know whether to feel, you know, confident or not. I mean, I, I have to be honest that Frankfurt running out of gas, uh, you know, really uh, kind of encouraged me. And they don't look as good as I thought they were. But, of course, they were missing two of their key players, weren't they, Joe? Yeah, this is going to be the really interesting thing because, I mean, I've I've watched Frankfurt quite a bit this season, just taking an interest in Jovic, like I think maybe a lot of people have. And the guy that he plays up front with, Sebastian Haller, is an absolute player. And again, you know, if if I was Chelsea and, and you know, I potentially would be looking at him in the summer or something to come and lead the line. You know, 19 goals this season plus 12 assists, you know, for, for a centre-forward is pretty decent work. And his combination with, with Jovic, I think really has is, is kind of enabled Jovic to to be sort of the superstar that he is. I think Haller really is is kind of sort of the, the, the main enabler there. And and again, Rebic is, is is a fantastic player. So it's going to be very interesting because I, I don't think we particularly played uh, Jovic that well. You know, I, you know, he's obviously very quick, very strong. You know, I think the header he scored was fantastic. But you know, when you now think that they're going to have Haller and 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 Rebic to support him, it's going to be interesting to see how we how we combat that. But yeah. You know, they, they often start like a house on fire. I think, you know, the first sort of 30, 35 minutes against us, they were, you know, they looked like they were never going to tire, but, you know, they sort of gradually did. And I think probably on balance of play, particularly in the second half, you know, I think we maybe could be disappointed that we didn't maybe nick two goals. You know, I think it could have been two or three, one, and that would have been a pretty fair reflection of the game. But, you know, you, you take an away goal in Europe. And, and I think at home, particularly, you know, if, if sorry, I'm assuming now he's going to take this pretty seriously basis full stroke team I think that we're good enough to beat them on the day and I think that that, that should be good enough to to see us through 
So you're so Joe, Joe Joe's feeling quite confident. Uh, Jonathan, what about you? Well, what would his full strength team be? Will he play the full strength team, or will he play because um, his full strength team would have Higuain in it? Yet he'll well, give the, he'll, yeah. he'll give Giroud a go, surely. <laughs> You know, no, I, he's got to play Giroud. I'm, he I'm play, sure he will. Um, uh, yeah, he, I'm sure he will as well. And will he play? Mind you, Giroud was 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 poor in the game last week. Um, yeah. He did a few few little touches, but he wasn't anywhere near the player that we'd seen in the previous um, Europa League games. Um, I, I, I I sort of wasn't surprised that uh, Frankfurt ran out of steam because they really went for it in the first 25 minutes. I mean, it was phenomenal the pressing that went on and the energy. It just seemed too much. At the weekend, Joe, did you see them, the, the Leverkusen game? Did they, uh, did they rest all these, these top players? Did they not? Because he rested four of them, didn't he, apparently, the manager? They rested a few, but he did, he did bring them on after, like, because, I mean, they, they were, I can't remember if they were, like, two or three nil down within, like, 20 minutes. And then the, the, they did bring on, a, a, like, a, a load of players. Um, but it, it just felt a bit like, I, I think someone showed me a, a, a graphic of, their, I think they're, their league results after European games are like worse than ours. Like they've they've been smashed near enough every single time they've played after a Europa League fixture. So maybe that's just a, a result of that. I, I think my, my only real concern is is just how how or how how good Halle Rebic and, and Jovic are going to be compared to to what we played. Are they, are they are they definitely all back, Joe? I mean, I know Rebic was basically uh, had a ban, didn't he? So he'll be yeah. back. What about Halle? Because he was injured, wasn't he? Yeah, I, I have a feeling. I mean, I, I've only looked at some of the the stories coming out of Germany, but I, I think that they're they're basically going to sort of make him make right. him play. Um, but he he for me is the interesting one because he's you know he's six foot three. He reminds me a little bit of Drogba, a little bit of a David Trezeguet. You know, can hold the ball up. You know, 12 assists for a, a big, tall striker is, is pretty impressive. And a lot of them have come from passes, not from flick-ons. And obviously, 19 goals, big threat in the air. We know that we're not the best at defending uh, crosses. So he, he is uh, going to be a key piece. If he plays really well, then I think that then we have problems. But I'm, I'm hopeful that we can we can keep him quiet. Because I've, I've been very impressive with him whenever I've seen uh, Frankfurt play. And particularly his, his combination with Joe, which is a little bit like the little and large kind of front two. Um, but I think he's he's got a lot lot of the technical ability on the floor as well. So he's he's definitely one to keep an eye on. And, and hopefully, as you say, if he comes back from injury, if he's not 100%, then that's fantastic. But definitely one to, to keep an eye on. Interesting mm. to see whether he plays Barkley or not, whether he gives Barkley a go. I think that would be madness. Given the scoreline, given the fact that we know that Frankfurt will play one way and they will come out, they'll hit us with a kitchen sink for the first half an hour... I think it's crying out, and given the fact that Kante's out, which I think is a yeah. huge blow, they've got he's got to start Kovacic, Jorginho, and Loftus Cheek. That's his best midfield three at the moment. Yes, and yeah. Kovacic can be defensive, and we'll need that. But he'll play Emerson instead of um, uh, instead of Alonso because that appears he appears to be the default for the uh, for the Europa League at the moment. Though though a lot um, Europe, though his stats weren't great recently. Um, Emerson, who he hasn't to me been been contributing as much as I thought he was earlier on in the rounds. Um, he played very well in some of the earlier Europa League games, yeah. but he's, um, he's not been quite at the races, and he's been crossing as badly as Dave. Um, it's intriguing to see the way that Dave has become this um, a terrific defender, probably slightly slower than we used to seeing him, but um, he incapable of playing a decent cross under pressure when he's given the ball was great with Morata early in the season because he played those, those, those balls from about, you know, 30 yards away from the, uh, uh, the penalty area that Morata could run onto. But when he's given the ball um, attacking down the wing, 
Dave just can't do it in the same way that Emerson can't. And to me, that's been something that just hasn't worked at all for mm. for, for Sarri because I think that's that's part of his plays. He wants both fullbacks to be able to to deliver. Well, it is that both wingers shouldn't actually go in in the way that both William and Pedro do. So will he play Pedro from, and William? Pedro seemed to lose energy in the. Um, the Frankfurt game during the week. He's got a great goal, but then he does that thing of, you know, being like the Duracell bunny and running around like a, a madman and, and kicking the ball too far ahead of himself. Yeah. And being and 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 the uh, and and the the attack then completely halts and and it, and they get down the other end really quickly because he's given the ball away when we were attacking. And that seems something that he do, seems to do quite a lot recently. Um, but will he start therefore with uh, um, presuming he plays Juru? And he'll play Pedro on one wing. Um, will he Hazard play, on will the he other. play Hazard? Will he or will he? Will he? Will he keep him off for half? A, for if if half he half. doesn't play Hazard, then he needs a kick in the head, mate. I've got to be honest. I mean, that's just insanity, mm. you know. Because this is see my feeling on this, and I think we're all pretty much saying the same thing, aren't we? This is very much in the balance because of the one-one. I mean, I know we've got an away goal. But, you know, they score a goal early and they are way back in it. Mm. You know, it, it's one of those awful, awful... Sorry, go on, Joe. No, I was going to say, I, I think I think they'll score. So I, I think we have to we have to assume that we're going to have to score one or more goals. Yeah. So Hazard has to start. I mean, the perfect scenario really is that we score first. Yeah. Because that they've got to score two, haven't they? Uh, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they do. Because, you know, one one's no good to them. 2-2 two, two would be a good result for them. That means they'll go through any, any score draw other than 1-1. One, one, and and they're they're through. So you know, I think ultimately, if I'm managing it, and you know, if I'm Sarri, I'm saying go and win the game. Yeah. Because then you know you're going to go through. Simple as that, really, isn't it? So here's the question, peeps: uh, Can we do it, Tony? Yes, I think we can. I think it might be slightly, like you said, different, uh, a different kettle of fish to the game out there. But we're at home, and um, there should be a good crowd there. I think it'll be fine. Mm. So you're confident, uh, Jonathan? I think they'll uh, they'll do what they did at. Um... Away is they'll, they'll run out of energy and will then mm. bust the second half or probably even 10 minutes uh, before the the end of the first half, as happened before, because they just can't keep that up. I mean, having said that, they, they might have scored three goals by then, but then I think we'll we'll get back in it again. I, I, I have every uh, faith in us beating them. Mm. Joe? If if we can replicate the, the application we showed in the second half against Watford, that, those levels of desire and commitment, I, I think we should be able to beat them quite comfortably 2-0 um, or something like that. But I mean, it, I, I think it'll be a tight game. Um, but I, I think, again, if, if we are up for it, like like we have been in sort of the second halves, I think we should go through, definitely. Mm, I'm, 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 I'm not as confident as you lot, I'll be honest with you. I think losing Kante is a huge blow. But I thought, I thought actually, you know, last week we defended really, really well. Actually, I, I was really—I tell you what—I was really impressed with Christensen because when he got yes. booked early, I thought, "Oh my God, that's a—you know—he's a red card waiting to happen." But he didn't put a foot wrong after that, and I thought, "Fair play, mate. That was a really impressive performance." Um, I think Hazard's <laughs> got to start. I think I think Giroud's got to start, and I think Loftus Cheek has got to start. And as I said, I'd put Kovacic in midfield as well. Because I think that, you know, defensively they're going to need shoring up a bit. And I think Jorginho has to have another very good game. Um, but I think it's going to be tense. I, I back us to do it, but it's going to be tense. My only regret is, yeah, Paul Crowder says 2-2 on the night, which of course would put them through, which which is what I was saying. My only regret, of course, is that I'm not going to be there to see it. Because, I, I mean, the Football Blogging Awards, awards do is Thursday night in Manchester. So I'm heading up there. 
hopefully to lead us all into glory. Uh, so I don't even know if they're going to have the match on the telly. I mean, you know, could be mm. it could be a great night for Chelsea or an utterly shit one, and I don't know which yet. So there we go. We'll all find out on Thursday, won't we? Right. Um, in uh, part four, uh, very strange. I, th- I thought uh, maybe maybe is this really part four, or am I going to do the emails? Uh, after this, I'm going to do the I'm going to do the shout outs now, and then we'll just do the emails in one great big part afterwards. Uh, so, uh, okay, uh, what we've got uh, as the as per usual, actually, we've got a lovely uh, parish notice from Paul Burgess, who may well be listening. Paul's uh, son Ben, who's a massive Chelsea fan, he's uh, heading, hoping to go to Tan. Uh, Tanzania, uh, or as Donald Trump, I say this every week. Yeah. Donald, Trump, <laughs> Donald Trump says Tanzania, Tanzania. Which, is, which is not as close to Nambia as you might think. It's on the other side of Africa. Is that Nambi Pambia? Uh, Nambi Pambia, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, Ben is uh, hoping to go out to uh, Tanzania to do, I presume, presume, kind of like some charity type work there, and they make the kids uh, kind of raise the money to get there these days. I know this because I was talking to one such very. Uh, much earlier today but anyway uh if you want to help ben out and get him over to Tan- tanzania uh, then you need to go to gofundme.com and i would just tap in ben 039 s that should do the trick all right i will i forgot to do it last week paul massive apologies but i will put that link up on twitter uh sometime tonight or tomorrow uh we've also got a lovely shout out from ben horner lovely ben horner from boston blues who we've uh i've met many years ago uh, and remember him very, very fondly. Lovely lad. Uh, anyway, he says, if, any, if you know anyone who's coming to Boston for the friendly, this is the one against, I think it's the New England Revolution or something, uh, and is trying to sort out transportation to and from the match, the Boston Blues are running a couple of buses. So feel free to share this link with anyone who might be interested, which again, I will do. But it's, if you go to bostonbluescfc.com uh, and just go bus to Gillette, you should find it. Uh, and uh, Chelsea Supporters Trust, join the trust. Get your voice heard by the club free to join up to be a member but if you want a badge and you want to be able to vote and uh, vote in the elections and attend the meetings then it's five quid a year okay in subs and you can sign up at chelseasupporterstrust.com uh and uh, you can follow them on twitter at chelsea s trust i got finally gave tony his badge on on sunday did you, you did. write your badge i love it mate it's got pride of place on my jacket so yes i'm very happy with that one now Thank you. Fab- fabulous Chip, stuff. Do you what, have any badges do... we can sew on as if we're in the uh, Wolf Cubs? <laughs> mate, this is this is not the 70s, mate. Oh, poo. Okay, you know, <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, right, we, uh, uh, well, you've completely thrown me now. Where are we? Patreon, that's right. Now, don't forget, if you like what we what we do, uh, you don't have to, but it's nice if you do, uh, but you can become a Chelsea fancast patron, and that means you can patronise us instead of me patronising you. How lovely. Uh, anyway, uh, it basically, uh, you, you, you pay a little bit of money every month, which helps to uh, pay for the running costs of doing quite a few shows every week and uh, help me to uh, continue to produce uh, what we believe is a rather unique take on all things Chelsea. Um, but there's no pressure. I mean, there really, really isn't. I mean, you can donate whatever you want, as little or as much as you want per show or per month. Easy to do. Just go to Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. I see everybody is doing this now. Uh, I am going to work a lot harder uh, about kind of making the the patreon site live a bit and you know maybe introduce a few kind of special tiers and exclusive stuff i keep saying this but don't worry i'm working i'm a very very busy man i've got a lot of hats that i have to wear but i'm going to work hard on it and make it a bit more exciting and lively for you because i mean we're very touched that a lot of people already uh you know have become patron members uh just for the hell of it rather than uh 
you know, uh, expecting anything else. But there you go. But I'll do my best uh, to do that. What I won't do, or as far as Chelsea fan cards are concerned, I will not charge you for podcasts. They will always be free. All right. Uh, so keep that one under your noodle. Now, um, you can also send us messages on there. Actually, I mean, if you want to get your emails read out, that's a good way of getting hold of me. I I, I usually am quite attentive to that. And uh, you know, anything you want, you know, contributions to the show, ideas, just ask us a question, anything you like. Uh, and I am working on getting an app sorted out for match days for next season, where we can interact a bit, presumably, if uh, if I'm at the match and uh, able to get a decent signal. So watch this space. Can you uh, do CP- dating, dating sites can make that work? Well, why not? We could have a Chelsea Fancast dating app, couldn't we? Perfect. What would you call it? Um, the Chelsea Fancast dating app. I would call it Fanny. For the American uh, market, possibly. Yeah, yeah, good. You know that could be construed either way, couldn't it? Sexually, because we don't want to be sexist. No, 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 or homophobic. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, so there you go. Watch this space next season for the new Chelsea fancast dating app. So there we go. Uh, right. Um, where was I? I know CPO. If you want to own a little bit of Chelsea and protect the future of the club, go and buy a share in the Chelsea pitch owners, uh, and uh, that means you'll own a bit of, well, the freehold of Stamford Bridge, really. That's what the CPO have, and that means you'll have a share in it. So uh, you can contribute to having football continue to be played at the Stamford Bridge forever. And if you want to find out how to buy a share, it's very, very easy. You email info at chelseapitchowners.com. Or you go to the ChelseaFC.com website and uh, put in the search button Pitch Owners and you'll find it. They're on Twitter at Pitch Owners. And of course, uh, the shares are pretty reasonable these days, about 40 quid really a share, which is very good, I think. Used to be 100 quid. Right, finally, uh, we've got CFC UK, uh, the wonderful one, the best Chelsea fanzine by a mile. I only say that because lots of us write for it, but it's true, it is, it's cracking. Uh, And you can get it on the stall at match day. The last chance for you to get a live copy will be Thursday. Uh, which will be uh, the last home game of the season, unless, of course, you're going to be in Leicester, and you can get it there, or, of course, in Baku, should we get there, and you can get it there. Uh, but on a match day uh, in, uh, in in Chelsea, uh, you'll find the match day sellers uh, in the uh, Fulham Road selling the CFC UK. You can subscribe to it and get it uh, you know, sent out to you in the post or digitally by subscribing online at cfcuk.net. Uh, and you can get it in the USA. Just follow at CFC UK USA uh, to find out how. Right, we'll be back very shortly with lots of emails for you to, uh, or for me to read out, and to, for you to read out too, Jonathan. Thank you. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy. And you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Right, welcome back. It's uh, Stamford Chidge here. Uh, we're on the home straight. Uh, it's email time. And uh, I'm going to do... I'll read the first one. You read the second one. or No, you read the first one. I'll read the second one. You read the third one. How does that sound? I'll read pet. All right, off you go, JK. It's from Mark Hannington, first one. Dave and Jonathan, my dad Derek died this week. You have our greatest sympathy. Um, He was 83 and a lifelong Chelsea fan. 
He didn't generally tell me what to do, but he made sure I was a Chelsea fan. For that, I will be forever grateful. Absolutely. Let's hope we can get third. We're possibly doing that. Win the Europa League, beat the transfer ban, keep Hazard and spend 300 million on the squad during the summer. All for my old dad, Derek. That'd make him smile, I think. I'm travelling from New Zealand to London for the funeral next week and will be in the cock before the Frankfurt game, raising a glass to my dad with some Chelsea mates. Maybe I'll see you there. Thanks as ever for the show. Win or lose, up the blues. Mark Hannington. Well, to say what time you're going to be there, if you can contact you, because I'll come along and meet you. I'd love to. Um, you know, your dad had some wonderful memories, that's for sure. Um, so uh, yeah, if we could, uh, I'll 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 pop in on uh, on Thursday, Chidge, Definitely, I'll pop into the cock. Oh, you're not there though, are you? Oh. No, I, 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 that's exactly that. I'm going to be in bloody Manchester for the Football Blogging Awards, do which is a great shame. I mean, it's a great shame because I can't see the match, but an even bigger shame that I can't meet Mark because I've met Mark in the cock before when he's been over from New Zealand. He has some hilarious mates with him. I, I don't know why, but I remember the name Ralph and some bloke from Denmark. I can't remember. Mark will remind me, but really good lads uh, and I'm really sorry that I can't be there uh, with you Mark and raising a glass to your dad who sounded like a top bloke and you're right excellent parenting in my opinion he's done a fine job uh, don't know if Tony's around on Thursday are you around on Thursday? Uh, no, no I'm not uh, I'm not going to be there for that, that was my that was my swan song on, um, on Sunday for this season so sadly All no right. Mark, if you DM uh, or just tweet Jonathan, you, you know where he is on Twitter. Uh, maybe you two can meet up. But I will be raising a glass in spirit to your old man on Thursday, Mark. And uh, very sorry for your loss. It's a horrible, tough one, that. But uh, you have our sympathies, mate. Right. Um, okay, email of the week. Uh, but the privilege belongs to me this week. Uh, and this is a cracking, cracking email. Uh, and you know I was what I was saying about Patreon a minute ago. Well, this is the proof, in fact, because this came to me via Patreon, and it's from the lovely Ash Pinto. Pinto, even. He says, Hi, Chidge and the gang. You may remember me when we met back in 2012 at the Chelsea versus Spurs match at the bridge. I'm one of Darren and Steve Mantle's friends who was visiting from Toronto, Canada. As it happens, Ash, I remember you very, very, very well. We've met several times, I think. I've got to be honest, I remember nothing about our trip, uh, you know, about meeting at the match, because I was probably absolutely shit-faced. But I do remember meeting you distinctly. Uh, so when I saw your name come up on Patreon, it was just brilliant. It's like, it's like, like, like greeting a long-lost friend, mate. So well done. Anyway, he says, after Chelsea winning the match 2-1 with a Kalu last-minute winner, he somehow managed to blunder over the line, Jonathan. Legend. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> we all went to watch the boxer Darren Barker win the European middleweight title. Yes, I do remember that particularly, and I was hammered by the time we got to Kensington Olympia with Darren. Um, he says, great day out with your mates. It certainly was. Uh, I have a question for discussion. I've been thinking and do not recall hearing... But has the topic of pitch size ever been discussed in regards to Sarri ball? From my understanding, Chelsea play on a smaller pitch when compared to other European teams. So I have a suspicion that this may play a factor in the execution of the so-called Sarri ball. We have all seen that when Jorginho has more space and time on the ball, he can actually dictate games executing Sarri ball to some degree. What are your thoughts on the pitch size and would could it play a factor in any way in executing Sarri ball? I kind of still think that Sarri Ball is in some sort is some sort of mythical way of playing. On a side note, zonal marking doesn't work in the Premier League, period. And if I see one more backwards pass when we reach the edge of the 18-yard box, I might lose my mind. 
have a bloody shot. Uh, keep up the good work. The podcast, Kerry Show, and the Love Sports Show are what keep me going throughout the week with long commutes to work and to get over some of the terrible results we've had this season. Thank you, yeah. and all the podcast members. Keep the blue flag flying high. Up the Chels. Cheers, Ash Pinto. Pinto, even. Uh, what a cracking email. Uh, okay, I'm gonna. Can we? Uh, can I ask Joe this first, Tony? Yeah. Technical question. Not no offence, but uh, Joe, what pitch size? Good point, I think. Because because I'm a bit of a nerd and I do my research when you send See, over I knew. the uh, <laughs> I knew. The, uh, the thing. So Chelsea's pitch is is uh, one meter in terms of width less. Um, so barely in terms of how wide the pitch is, it's virtually the same. But Napoli's pitch is about seven or eight meters longer. So it's vertically there, there's more space. Um, I, I I don't know. I mean, I, I think actually the the, the main difference, and, and I think this is something I've mentioned on on here before, is that. The, the way that you play midfield in Serie A and the way you play midfield in the Premier League is a little bit different. You have a lot of zonal systems in, in Serie A. So when you see Jorginho pick the ball up, invariably when he turns, that there's kind of guys who are marking zonally like you would on a on a corner. In the Premier League, teams invariably match up man for man. So you play, you know, you match up 4 3 3 you, you basically mark your opposite number and you're kind of on them pretty much the entire game. So I think it's a little bit for me, it's it's a cultural thing that he hasn't quite adapted to yet, is that when he invariably picks the ball up, he, he's not like Loftus-Cheek who can roll players, who can sort of physically kind of create space himself. If you watch a lot of his you know best moments for Napoli, he gets the ball, he literally turns around, he can scan the pitch, he's not under pressure because not a lot of teams play that counter-pressing you know, kind of style of football, whereas in the Premier League now, pretty much every team you play against is, is going to press you in, in, in some capacity. So... I think it's more to do with with the the change in style in terms of how midfield is is played in England compared to compared to Serie A. Some of his passes are occasionally overhit. That may be again because he's used to a slightly longer pitch. Um, that could be one of the reasons that I think sometimes when he plays those balls over the top, they are a little bit um, erratic in terms of them finding their target. But I think mainly in terms of his adaptation, it's more from a a standpoint that he invariably has someone on him within him touching the ball rather than having that ability to, to actually receive the ball in space, turn in space and then pick his pass through the lines rather than having to pick a player out who's probably going to be under some sort of pressure. Mm. Great stuff. And you two, anything to say? Um, I, I, so, uh, no, Joe's just said it all. Um, I, 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 still, I still kind of think that Sarri ball is some sort of mythical way of playing. I, 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 do, I agree with that. What's the difference between... I don't know what Liverpool play from time to time, and what you know. What, it, why isn't what City play called Pep good ball? I, I I don't know how he's managed to get uh, you know a, a kind of a, a verb or, or whatever to to well, describe uh, a again, style of football. I mean, it's because the way he played in Napoli, which was in these these uh, the idea that there should be somebody with you all the time. You don't even have to look up, and they should be there. And the ball is just flicked about, and it. It, it shouldn't have any of this getting the ball and beating players because that's not yeah. what it's that's not what it's about. So you, know, oh, you could actually say that Jorginho was playing um, uh, uh, was playing as if he was playing Sarri ball in Napoli. He looks as if he's been playing like that when he when he overhits the passes and he doesn't oh. tackle because perhaps there was no need for him to tackle. Yeah. But perhaps he's beginning that's to understand in the Premier League you have to have a, a very different style of play. Yeah. So perhaps it's that. Uh, oh, um, that sounds that sounds awful. Players not taking players on. I don't want to watch that. 
Unbelievable. Mm. Uh, great email, Ash. Lovely to hear from you. Do let me know when you're coming back over. It'd be great to catch up again, and you can remind me of the fun that we got up to that I can't remember because I was clearly so drunk. <laughs> well, I do remember seeing Darren Mantle, Darren Mantle, uh, Darren Barker win uh, the European middleweight title with uh, Darren <laughs> Mantle. Funny if Darren Mantle was boxing. <laughs> mate, I tell you, the, the state we were in, he would have gone for it, mate. He would, have, he would have leapt into that ring and have taken anybody on that night, the little minx that he is. Uh, right, Jonathan, uh, we have an absolute boomer from Russell Saunders. From Russ. My experience of being involved in the Melbourne Chelsea supporters group means that you find plenty of young Australians who have an affiliation with other teams in Europe, maybe UK too, besides Chelsea. We have one lad here who did fall into that category. I'm not sure how closely he follows the other team these days. But since the time of this story, he gets involved a lot within our club. A regular at the pub for matches and other events. The year was 2012. A few of us knew about his German grandparents and that would go and watch Bayern Munich with their supporters club, as well as watch Chelsea with us. On April the 26th, our time, his nightmare was realised. Bayern won their semi-final against Real Madrid and he had a huge dilemma on his hands for the 19th of May. There was plenty of banter within our Facebook group for the next few weeks. We were winding him up about his critical decision. Was he supporting Chelsea or supporting Bayern in the final? The night of our FA Cup final the week before, he declared that he would be with us. The final was a 4.45am kickoff on the Sunday, 20th of May, for Melbourne. But drinking started well before on the Saturday night. People met up at our regular bar to watch the championship playoff final first. An appetizer, if you like. When I joined the Chelsea fraternity in said bar around midnight, our young lad had apparently been spotted having dinner with Bayern fans at a German restaurant in the CBD. Others mentioned to me that he had a strange bulge next to his right ankle. He was wearing a Chelsea shirt, number 10, and matter on the back. But the suspicions about that bulge was that it was another shirt, a red one. Most of us had a laugh about it, not thinking that post-final photographic evidence would confirm something quite hilarious. We met at our chosen venue and current home, the James Squires Pub, now known as the Crafty Squire, on the brilliantly named Russell Street. Ho oh, oh, ho! In Melbourne, <laughs> it has a 24-hour license, so we can so can serve booze whenever they want. Bayern fans were watching in another 24-hour bar about 800 metres away. Our bar was full, as you'd hope slash expect. So to keep track of people other than the ones you were standing directly next to was impossible. Anyway, as we all know, we won. It was fucking awesome. Do I admit that I had tears of joy? Yes. No doubt the best moments of my life being a Chelsea fan so far. We were all pissed and happy and it was 8am on a Sunday morning. A bloke was crowd surfing before the presentation. There's a YouTube clip somewhere. I would have dropped the fucker as that would have been funnier. <laughs> many, of us, many of us carried on drinking throughout the day and evening. My Monday had been booked off work after the semi-final and after getting in at 10pm, it was just as well. Later in the week, someone had spotted a Facebook photo tag on the lad in question. It was on the Bayern supporters page. Front and centre, there was our Chelsea lad who had sworn his undying love for us a week prior. Below his red shirt, around the collar, you could see the blue of a Chelsea shirt underneath. What the fuck? 
News <laughs> of his exploits that Sunday morning came to light. He'd been running between pubs to watch different stages of the match with each set of supporters, but managing to keep the right attire and not have a Mrs. Doubtfire moment. Perhaps choosing a phone booth between the swap shirts a la Superman. I don't oh, know. Why? Yeah. I recall taking a photo of people proudly walking our Melbourne Chelsea flag down the street as we searched a new drinking venue after the win. He was holding it on one side. Initial shock among most of us soon turned to laughter, especially among supporters who'd known each other for several years. When the Euro Championships were on a couple of months later, the banter returned with him keenly following Germany and plenty of other nationalities supporting their team. It was the Italy and Germany semi-final where a comment from an Italian started a thread and the nickname was created by an Aussie lad, which was surprising as, as Australians aren't normally that funny. The Italian wrote, watch out, the Italian wrote, watch out Bayern Munich Muir, Italy are coming for you. And a reply from a local came, why not call him Munich? Munich. <laughs> Simple. Yet brilliant. The nickname will last a lifetime among us in Melbourne Chelsea circles. We will tell children, grandchildren and great-grandchildren. News spread to friends in other cities of Australia. When a number of supporters from around Australia went to Tokyo in December that year for the CWC, one young Adelaide lad took great delight in telling the story to die-hard British supporters at the welcome party. They were quite bemused, as you'd imagine. Fair play to Munich, though. He had travelled to Japan and took it all on the chin. Keep up the great work with all the shows you do. Hopefully this email gives a laugh to a few supporters around the world among your listening audience. All the best, Russ, Melbourne Chelsea supporter. That's a great story. That is an absolute cracker, isn't it? What a bloody... Well, I mean, the, the guy should be applauded for the effort that would take to do that. You know what I mean? And, oh, and, and, the, and, and to be able to carry off such duplicity. Fabulous. Fantastic that, stuff. That is almost as good as uh, one of Marco's, you know, uh, Mark Worrell's mates who actually bunked into the uh, Alliance Arena by pretending to be a UEFA official and ended up sitting in the uh, the VIP area next to some, I can't remember, we told the, sto- uh, the story on the show many, many moons ago, but he actually ended up sitting next to some UEFA, some very famous people and was chatting away. Oh. And he did, it, he did it again in Amsterdam. So not only did he do it in Munich, he tried it again in Amsterdam and, it, and, and succeeded again. So there you go. But that Russ, that's brilliant. We've been I've been sitting on that for a few weeks actually waiting for an opportune moment to do it and the op, the opportunity arose tonight. So well done Russ. Brilliant emails made yeah, well me laugh. Done, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I've got a, a late one. A late one's come in here uh, from the wonderful Alan Gavaran, uh, uh Aussie signed my broken leg who is probably still in Mixler I hope. Uh, and he said Chijinko, he says email for tonight's show. Sorry it's late. Yes it was very late. You're a very lucky man. He says, Chidge Co., after this weekend's <laughs> results, I just want to say, <laughs> Yours as always, Alan Gavarin now, at Rootless Cosmo. Do you remember in that second half at 2 0 when the chant went up around um, Stanford Bridge of Tottenham Hotspur? It's happening again. Yeah, and I looked at you and said, oh, "I said I'm not joining in that." Yeah, I said because it's yeah. only two nil, and I think I said the chidge at the time. I think when we were three nil up and there were three minutes ago, I said we might have this in the bag now. 
<laughs> I wasn't going to sing that. No, no, no way I'll tip him fight like that. I rather, I rather right. pompously said, I think that's a little bit premature to the people. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm with you on that. You know, Schadenfreude is a, a powerful force in it, football, as we it. know only too well. And talking of which, Liverpool are 3-0 up with 65 minutes gone. No. <laughs> yeah, crikey is not the word. Uh, so there you go. And on that sombre note, I think it's about all we've got time for uh, this fantastic week. I've had great fun tonight, as I always do. Um, now, we'll, we oh, I should just say, by the way, if you want to you know, get your emails read out, uh, we'll always try and read them out, as you know. Uh, love getting your emails. Uh, but if you want to email us, send it to chelseafancast at gmail.com. And please try and get it in by Monday morning at the absolute latest. Uh, and also you can do it via Patreon too, you know. Uh, if you're on Patreon, if you follow us there, then uh, I will read them out there. All right, good stuff. Uh, as I said, that's it for tonight. We'll be back next Monday, May the 13th. I will be joined by Jonathan, Mark Worrell and Liam Toomey. And uh, we'll be looking back at the matches against Leicester, the last Premier League match at the uh, of the season. Always a bit sad in a way. Uh, and the Europa Cup semi-final second leg against Eintracht Frankfurt, which is on Thursday. And we'll be ruminating on the end of the Premier League season and hopefully looking forward to a Europa League final in, of all places, Baku. So there you go. Now, don't forget uh, to tune into the Chelsea Fancast on Love Sport Radio this Friday between 7 o'clock and 9pm. Uh, join Jonathan Dan, and Dan Silver and Johnny Burrow as they digest the latest Chelsea news and look back at the Europa Cup semi-final against Eintracht Frankfurt and look ahead to uh, the last match of the Premier League season to Leicester. You will have noticed that I am not on it this Friday, an even better reason to tune in. Uh, but I'm basically uh, travelling back from Manchester on Friday and I've got to be in Hampshire on Saturday because I'm going to the cricket with me old man. So basically going via London is just nonsense, so I'm not going to do it. So uh, the show is in very capable hands with Jonathan and Dan, I can assure you. Uh, now, the uh, best thing about the Love Sports show, as you should all know by now, is that you can phone in and you can join in the show and, the de- and just debate with us about anything you want, really. It's a great way to, to have a chat with us. Uh, we love it because it completely means we go off-piste, which we love. And the number, of course, to call is 0208 70 20 558. And you can listen to Love Sport Radio on 558 AM, the medium wave, or on the digital audio channels, or you can listen to it through Radio Player TuneIn or Love Sport Radio. There will be a podcast up shortly afterwards and that is where you'll find all of our shows on chelseafancast.com acast apple soundcloud and spotify and all good podcast distributors right you can follow the show on twitter at chelsea fancast me at stanford chidge jonathan at jonathan kid joe at joe tweedy tony at grocer jack uk and of course do check out the website chelseafancast.com and many thanks to the chelsea fancast bloggers for their great content going up during the week uh, and you can follow them on Twitter at CFCGWLB, at Nick Stroudley, at Clitheroe Blue, at Dean Mears, at CFC Nicholas, at Tosser of Coin, at Tom Got 95 at John Topier. And of course, all of the regular fancasters are on Twitter, and they are at Dan Silves73, at Goalie59. By the way, happy birthday to Clayton, whose birthday it was on Sunday. I think it was the big one, actually. Uh, I cannot reveal what number it is, but it was large. But we love Clayton massively. So happy birthday, mate, if you're listening. Um, so, yeah, Clayton at Goalie59, uh, at Mark, well, Marco's at Gate17Marco, and Liam is at Liam underscore Toomey, and Oliver Harbord is at OJ Harbord. Right, uh, Mixler people, you've been fantastic as always. Thanks for sticking with us, as you always do. Uh, enjoyed your interactions, especially my 
uh, a kind of tiff with Bata, uh, Babatunde. Uh, well, I can assure you that we made up before the end of the show, and all is well. Uh, we will look forward to seeing you lot in Mixler again next week. Uh, now, you lot here, who have been brilliant tonight, uh, Joe, as always, what an absolute pleasure it is having you on the show, my friend. Thank you so much. Yes, yeah. thanks for having me on, as always. Yeah, fantastic. Great stuff. Hopefully, I'll catch up with you soon. Tony, uh, what an absolute pleasure it was to uh, spend the second half of my last game of the season with you. Brilliant. Uh, it, it, it's so much nicer sitting with mates, yes. you know, which is, I don't, I mean, I'm not decrying the people I sit with up at Gate 17 because I know a few of them, you know, yeah. but, you know, you're a real mate that I've yeah. known for a while yeah. and it was just lovely sitting there with you. It makes it a lot easier to deal with. It I does think, the indeed. It was a pleasure sitting with you, Chidge, as well. So, and uh, uh, as always, uh, a pleasure to be on here. Not spreading, not spreading the negativity, as people seem to think. No, no, no. We're, we're fair-minded, if nothing else. But uh, well done, Tony. You've been brilliant as ever. And as for you, Mr. Kidd, uh, you've been exceptional, as always. Lovely to have you on the show. And look after the Chelsea Fancast on Friday on Love Sport. I'll do my best, Chidge, but it won't be the same without you. Yeah. Try, try not to say anything that might get you dumped. What, like shirtlifter. Like shirtlifter, yeah, exactly. Mate, have fun. It'll be brilliant. I'll be listening. I might, I might actually phone up. Not, not because I'm trying to interfere and in being a, a mother hen, but I can phone up and tell you about what happened at the football blogging awards, if we'd, you like. We'd love to love you to do that. And could you phone up and pretend to be somebody else as well? A couple. Should of I put times? on a silly? Yeah, I can do that. I can do that. Yeah. I, I might do that, but it'd be. I won't need to because there are so many people listening to the show tonight who will be phoning up on Friday. Yeah, yeah exactly. Of they will. Perfect. Exactly. All right. Brilliant stuff. Time for you to go and lie down or do whatever you have to do. Uh, we will see you next time. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chills. Up the, the chills. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.